Ladies and gentlemen, now the moment you've all been waiting for. You are now listening to the sounds of the Prince and Microphone. What does it do? And welcome back to another episode of Milk Crates and Motherfucking Microphones. This is Season 7, Episode 1, and we are back for another exciting season of talking about hip-hop and talking about life and talking to your favorite people on this planet. I am B-Sick Wonder Ride, Mr. Brandon F. Bomb Fry, and with me as always, it's your boy, his boy, their boy, everybody's boy, Soldier's boy, plus the Suicide Boys, and the Beastie Boys. Yo, it's your boy, the infamous nonsense, and I'm here to just say I'm happy to be here with you. It's a Friday afternoon, and I'm guaranteed it's going to be a good show, so tighten up your motherfucking shoelaces and be prepared for some good shit coming your way. Ooh, tighten them up very tight, because we have a beautiful season premiere for you. This is season seven, and if you are hearing a new intro, that's right, you hear a new intro, because that's how we do it every time here on Milk Crates and Microphones. Season to season, you can find a new intro and something different about each season, but something that will be the same as season six and season five and season four as it is in season seven. It's my boy over here to the left. You know him. He's in that seat from now to infinity. It is JS3, but nowadays it is... Triple motherfucking sick. Motherfucker, what is that? <laughs> Triple six, 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 JS3 in the heezy. What is good, milk people? Happy fucking Friday. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Sig, for coming out and joining us. I know, uh, you know, it's not always easy to get together on these beautiful days, these beautiful summer nights, and uh, spend them with the homies and talk about some bullshit and kind of connect like we used to do but i think we do a pretty good job of it and um i want to say right now shout out to our ladies the beautiful women behind us that allow us to come out here every other friday and do something that we love without them that this this podcast couldn't thrive without the women behind us they are the rock and they are the ones that support us the naysayers they might be the naysayers but at the same time they're the believers and the believers should be there for us since day one but you know what it's all good we're here for you and we appreciate all the respect you give us without you guys we wouldn't feel right doing it we couldn't do it we could not do this because we we all have lives and we all have uh stuff going on inside those lives individually and um prioritizing something like a podcast isn't always the best thing to do but but it might be the best thing having for us. someone having someone in your corner that can accept the hobbies and the passions in your life is something that's beautiful and i think it's something that we should all thrive to look for in a in a mate and it's a, very in a person it's very and we're lucky to have that so thank you again for joining us on season yes. seven i just wanted to lay that out there big shout out to the ladies started. in our lives big, big shout out because we all three are lucky to have three solid ass women in our in our corner Fuck so yeah. Yeah. Fuck shout out Dedicated to the ladies. And now we're going to talk a little bit about this podcast and what we're about to get into because it is season seven, right? Yes, sir. Season seven. It is episode one of season seven. And it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful night because we are bringing to you WWF Superstar. 
from the new generation, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Yeah. And I can't really explain to you how excited I am because <laughs> oh yeah, uh, this might not be Stone Cold or Hulk Hogan or Shawn Michaels, you know, but for us kids that grew up in the 90s, we're 36 right now, so this is prime time in our lives of wrestling watching. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. as a kid, I think my prime wrestling watching experience was like 93 to 98. Oh, I could for imagine. Sure. That, yeah, was, for sure. that was like the, the years that I remember the mm-hmm. most. And somebody that was a mainstay in that was yeah. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Yes, sir. So to be able to get him on the podcast and talk to him, I'm excited. I got a lot of great questions. Got a lot of things that we need to, we need to clear up and talk about. And you're going to hear a lot of that. We're excited about that. But before we do that. Skirt. Before hit him with the brakes. That, hit him with the brakes. We got to do what we always do. And you know damn right what that is. <laughs> and you know goddamn right what that is. Damn right. Because it is something that we like to call this week in motherfucking hip hop. This week in motherfucking hip hop. It's bigger than hip A fan, Shit. if you were a fan over one this season of okay. rap, of rap, <laughs> talking hip hop in general, rap at the time, mm. you might have known who these motherfuckers are. There is it? a group that consisted of Easy E, mm-hmm. Ice Cube, mm-hmm. fucking Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. DJ Yellow. Talk to you of people. They're up there. MC Ren. Hey, motherfucking the Doctor, the DOC. There's yeah. a lot of motherfuckers in this group, and they're better known as NWA. That's the niggas with attitude. Ooh. And we're talking about we're talking about early years. We're talking about when shit didn't matter. When everybody wasn't wasn't against each other. When it was like Can we, we got a new group. This? Go ahead. Go ahead. What you got? Uh, me and Sig here, <laughs> Jesus, we're never ever dropped the end bomb. The season seven intro, Woo-hoo. but but my boy here, Yamas, we're Hispanic. nonsense. We're Hispanic. Mm. He's Hispanic. We He's got a ends. little bit of uh, I got culture a, in him. I'm telling you, mm. I got He's a two percent. I got I got the motherfucking uh, when I spit in the tube. They told me I'm two percent African American. So, so I mean, we all right. He's he's we got the end. He's not in the. He's not on this side of the wall. But we're in. We in. I understand. Listen. Hey, I'm Mexican. He's in. He's in. Man. He's, not, in. He's, in. He's in. He's in. He's in. I'm not that far. I look too I look too much like a white hey, he could like be a white in. man. He in could the be government, in. He could so be in. <laughs> I'm not saying those, but but we no crates and microphones no just crit? wanted to say that we don't that me and Siegfried do not stand by or relate to any of the words that Matt Jesus uses in this Christ. podcast. But, but they he are is on free the team. They are to the team. use the words that he uses because this is his podcast. So, like I said, yeah. Matt, these niggas with attitude are coming hard. And this is Dr. Dre, DJ Yella, Easy E, your motherfucking boys, Ice Cube, MC Ren, the DOC. And you know what? This album came out, you know when, August 8th, 1988. That makes this album exactly 34 years fucking Ooh. old. 34. Nice. Jesus fucking Christ. That's old. That That's is old. old. Jeez. And Louise. when did we say that hip hop was made? You we'll told me talk about this. Listen, listen. We're going to get into that later yes. in the pod. I wanted to bring that up. 34 is right there next to the almost the birth date of hip-hop. So oh, we're yeah. 30 yeah. fucking when you close. Talk about how we're old like we are. seven to ten years away from when it invented. Yeah. So, we'll you know talk about I mean? that later. We'll get, into, get, into, that. That we'll later. get into that. But, hey, we while we're at it, if I love this album. There was a lot of good songs on this album. I wasn't alive when this – oh, I was alive, but I wasn't – I, you know, I wasn't bumping it as a baby, obviously, but, mm. but when I was old enough 80s, to bump it, what was it? I was born in '87. This album came out in '88, mm. so I was I was when I knew it was around. Your boys was two. Yeah, 
when I was recognizing it, I knew it was coup. I knew it was coup. But let's get right into that. What let's pass it? this and let's just say that during this album, there's a lot of controversy with a track on it that drew FBI's attention. Yeah. There was the a warning. Yeah, there was a warning letter saying for them not to play to any of their shows, in which they said, "Fuck that, we're gonna play it anyways." Yep. And if you know what we're talking about, this album is called, or this song is called "Fuck the Police," and this is off NWA Straight Outta Compton, and it dropped August eighth, nineteen eighty eight. Get with Wait, us like, or get left behind. Do you know the story of why they played this this at that show? Because all the police were telling them not to play it, though, right? No, 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 no. Hit no, me, no. hit me, hit me. The reason why was, they, so they went on tour, and they played something like 10 or 11 shows before that, mm -hmm. and the the uh, promoter of the tour said, you cannot play the song. Please do not play the song. At like, that venue or just in general? No, in general. Okay. And they were like, okay, we won't do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. We won't do it. No, but they went 10 to 11 shows, and then the promoter started getting on their nerves, and then at that show... They were like, "Fuck this fool, fuck this guy," and hey, like that's right, a hit, dude. And they were that the, Most the, definitely. the promoter was probably putting the shackles on him, like, "Hey, tighten it up, tighten it up." Oh, we're leaving you. He's like, we're and then, you then guys. these fools, right before they went on stage, that fool said, "Hey, remember, do not play that song." And they all looked at each other. Play and were it. Like, first song we're doing. <laughs> Let's first song. Go. And hey. so they went out there in the very first song. But what happened was it was in Detroit, right? And then. Mm -hmm. Uh, Didn't they riot afterwards? No, 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 no. As soon as they started playing it, the fucking crowd split in half like fucking Moses part in the sea. Like mosh pit And style. the Detroit Police Department, the uh, entire department the squad came, came right, in. right nah. down and arrested them all. And some of them ran and fucking Damn. got arrested it's later. Amazing. Overplaying a song. Yeah. Overplaying hey, a song. It starts up pretty hard, though. You would think like an opening track would be a few other words besides fuck the police. Right. But that right off the bat comes hard as a motherfucker. Boy, have times changed. <laughs> This Here it is. is. NWA, right now, NWA, August 8th, 1988.
So that was NWA's most dangerous, off the world's most dangerous group. Yep. Fuck the police. Fuck the police. But it was funny how everyone came out and was like, oh, he was writing all that shit, blah, 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 bang, bang, bang. But then Easy e on his own yeah. came out with some of the hardest yeah. fucking He was a real cock-a-dog. He was a real cock-a-dog in this motherfucker. When it all came down to yes. the cock-a-dog yes. on the backside. Had to kill that. Had to kill that motherfucker. With the fucking, yes. uh, you know what I mean? Hard all, shit. Like, Easy e was like, oh, you think I can't write? He wrote, he he wrote, wrote so hard. And his but beats. But he knows that Cube did write uh, the, the original fucking... Uh, What's uh, not, him and Snoop? No, 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 no. Easy's favorite sa- famous song. Uh, oh, oh, oh uh, Boys in the Hood. Boys uh, in the Hood. Yeah. So you went in playing. Yeah, all that shit. Cube yeah, that wrote that tight. for yeah. Easy E and was like, "No, no, spit this. This is dope." Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Easy E came back and wrote some fucking fire shit. Snoop fire, Dogg fire. did Bro. his thing. Fire. Snoop Dogg uh, never even wrote that first. I know, no, 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 no. I mean, I, mean, I think Dre, Dre, Dre wrote Dre, that first verse for him. You know all that fire. shit. Yeah, fire. So, oh, without Dre, there'd be no fucking beats to rap to for one. Yeah. He was the mastermind on the ones nah, and Cube, twos. Cube could have figured it out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cube had it all figured out. Check it out. Know, if it wasn't for this Cube. This man's a doctor. I mean, he's <laughs> literally a doctor. Don't just stand there. <laughs> Operate. <laughs> tell him. Actually, you know what? Maybe if it wasn't for Easy the E, they wouldn't have been able to go anywhere. Maybe not. Mm. Because Easy E so? was like the, the networker, right? Yeah, he was bread and butter. The dude that was like getting... Between different people, getting yeah, yeah. networking yep. with different companies, talking to different fucking record labels. He was bread and butter for them. He was the one that was dealing with shit because he was a G. When Easy was on that fuck death row shit, that shit was so hard, bro. Oh yes, it was. Damn, but then like, you get cute. you didn't even want to listen to it. You're like, what the? It was fuck. Fire. It was raw. You're like, like it was Whoa. it was raw, bro. Yeah, you're like, so can hard, I bump this without somebody else saying, hey, what the hard, fuck you listening to? Hard beef like, going on. Rough, dude. I'd give you uh, that. But, but Cube, uh, Cube, Cube really prevails. was the original. He prevailed. You're right. He prevailed. Like, he I, did. He was he's still around, and now Mount he's, Westmore. He makes soft movies. He makes these classics for kids. He's on Mount Rushmore. You he has, he's so versatile. But, uh, so versatile. You know what? The does, man NWA, has does NWA hold up? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, Come yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Come on. For sure. To the end sure. of the days, right? And yeah, uh, hold sure. on. 1988 and shit, like, hip-hop was becoming G-Funk gangsta, you know? Like, mm. it was a whole different style of rap and hip-hop that was going on. So you're saying that in They were the innovators of that shit, bro. So in 88, hip-hop was barely nine years old. Maybe 10 at the most. Yeah. Mm. Well, they say 1978. S- August, 78, August yeah. 11th just happened yesterday. Uh, happy exactly birthday yesterday. to hip-hop. Yep. They, uh, cre- 78 they credited So this was something that Matt was talking about a little yeah. bit in that This Week in Hip-Hop. They credit hip-hop for being born August... Set August eleventh, nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight at a at a birthday party. Yes, with DJ, DJ Cool Herc, Herc yep, and uh, Coke, MC Coke Larock, Coke, Coke Larock, La and those. Uh, it wasn't no Cool Keith. It wasn't who you think of. It wasn't Big L. It wasn't who you would think now, it would be. Now, it wasn't this, like this could be argued hip-hop? in this way right yeah. here. Hip hop was an evolution that ev- evolved from jazz music and uh, and different types of. Um, yeah, blues or whatever. Blues, jazz, it. and okay. a little bit of disco, so all like kind of mixed together yeah, sure. uh-huh. to create this hip hop shit, right? Definitely, definitely. So the evolution of hip hop started way earlier than that day. So 
maybe that might have been the first time that somebody, a DJ and a rapper rapped, yeah. but maybe it wasn't the birth of hip hop. Maybe not. Maybe not. But I think that, well, that's what I they think give everybody the, else they give credit, the credit it, to. Yeah. That um, was the first time it making sense, though, to everybody, I feel like. I think so, too. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, you're doing something different. This is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the combo of the two together at the same now, time. Now, was it or was it not a mama's joke? <laughs> and what is your favorite mama's joke? Oh, dude. My favorite mama's was it, joke. Was it or was it not I a mama's joke? I think it might have been a mama's joke. I'll tell you the truth. What's I mean, your favorite mama's joke? Uh, your mama got no arms, no legs, with the camera on her chest. Talk about pitching me rolling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Your mama is so fat. She ate a school bus and thought it was a Twinkie. Oh, Jesus. Motherfucker. She jumped in the sky and she got stuck. Yeah, old school. <laughs> no, your mom was so fat. She sat on a rainbow and created uh-huh. Skittles. Yep. My favorite one, though, back in the days, I used to always say when I was little, what? your mom was so fat, she carries the microwave around like a pager. Oh, <laughs> old school. Bangers. Old school. Oh, yeah, man. A lot of, a lot of your mama's mean. fat Kids jokes. are mean with those mama jokes, but I think... Like you were saying, hip hop was created on like talking shit, right? Like, oh for sure, being flop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, I'm a swag out. I'm gonna be like this this guy uh, talking shit, and I'm gonna do it with words and pronunciation. We're not gonna fight. We're gonna talk shit, beat, but yeah. we're just gonna talk shit. We're yeah, gonna have we're fun. Gonna talk shit, have a good time. Yeah. And yeah. it was something that I think that was going on before hip hop, right? It was like homies yeah, yeah. just hanging out with each yeah. other, busting each other's balls. For sure. Nowadays, always, right? nowadays these soft ass motherfuckers call it bullying. Uh, oh, I'm getting geez. bullied. Hip hop wouldn't have been around if it wasn't for bullying. I'm getting haze. I'm getting bullied. No, nah, motherfucker. Yeah. We was busting each other's balls, hanging out at the park, talking shit to each other, telling oh, yeah. shit, talking shit about each other's moms, and yeah. talking shit about, oh, this guy's fat, oh, or yeah. this guy's too skinny, yeah. Oh, yeah. or this guy's shoes, or this guy's hat, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's that's just the way that sure. it goes. It goes people crumbles crumble. were grown up at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some At some point, it changed. It always has to change. But. It can't, it can't stay that way. But if it would, it in, hip hop, in hip hop, it is always something that is constant. Yes. Shit yes. talking yes. and being able to walk away and shake hands afterwards. Yes. Very true. In battle rap, it's something that's very prominent. Um, yeah. And. It's something that is also prominent in song making, and right now there's a, a very popular song right now uh, by an old school. What do you got? What do you got? An old school G Unit mate. His oh, name is uh, the Game, and oh. he's talking shit on Eminem yeah. for ten minutes long. That's a long fucking song, dude. <laughs> Who makes ten minute songs? Anymore? And let me tell you, nobody so- does. No. Let me tell you something about this song. Well, that's too. A, tra- a hidden track in there. The last time that G- that that the game, the, and I've always credited the game as being one of my favorite West Coast rappers. Okay. Uh, Matt, do not ask me to name a song. Okay. <laughs> but the very, the MVP. very last time I remember listening to a game song, I can't even tell you. Mm-hmm. And the first time I remember is listening to him rap like Eminem. The game. You talking about this song? Oh, right? you mean this song? This right? song, yeah, right? yeah, no, the, the this is one of the best because songs the most made, yes. memorable time yes. I've heard the game. The rap black Slim is when Shady. he raps yes. like Slim Shady. Isn't it crazy that you can tell the cadence in his voice is like he, you know, for sure he's making fun? Or, mm. Isn't it crazy the yeah. first time the game has caught your fucking attention is he's it's, rapping yes, like somebody as else? Somebody else. It's kind of crazy, huh? Like, I saw a meme and it said, "Tell me you're a Stan without saying you're a Stan." And it had the game, new game. Showing song. him fucking writing a letter to yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus. The new game, right? But with all that said, mm-hmm. 
It was dope. I think oh yeah, fucking. That was the best job. song he's ever done. He's, he's talking shit on such a hating good bro. track. He's a hater. I, think he I did love a it. Fucking I love great it. job. Yeah. I think uh, kudos to the game. Great job. Fucking props. Like you fucking killed. Does that. this bring M out of the closet? Yeah, of course. Does bring M to write a rebuttal? I don't think he does. I heard. I heard he pays no attention. Eminem doesn't care. Yeah, I heard. I heard he paid no mind to this fucking track. He don't give a fuck. The game sucks to him though. To him, the game sucks. Not at all, bro. I'm not saying the game doesn't carry weight. Bro, but do you know who Benzino is? I know who Benzino is. And you didn't know him until M started dissing, started dissing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get me you wrong. like that was a yeah. nobody that was dissing him. But and then all of a sudden, he made a whole fucking thing to make sure he buried this I just don't know that he's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? Like Angelo Bailey or D'Angelo yes. Bailey. Yeah, the fucker's yes. name was. Yes. But listen, M, well, he might Ken, not make uh, it a big deal. Ken, uh, what is it? Kim from Connecticut. What was his name? <laughs> Kim Kniff from Connecticut. from Connecticut. Kim Kniff from Connecticut. He's not going to make it a big deal or make it like this whole fucking thing. Like, I'm coming after the game. For sure, for But sure. just out of nowhere, he'll no, drop man. a track. It, how do it's you just even, buried How does he even yeah. write like the game? He how do you even rap like the game? Like, what, how would you he do it? He won't do that, though. That's not M's game. Yeah, M's, yeah. M's game isn't to uh, replicate or to impersonate somebody. Just to kill you. just bury you. Just kill you, yeah. Hey, he's gonna be talking shit about how he couldn't make it with. That's true. This unit. man buried you. Britney Spears back. In the he day. buried Jay Z. <laughs> this man, man has buried MGK recently. Nail in the coffin. Um, Foul nail in the coffin. Which man. I that, album, that song time alone time time is a no, murder no, 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 song. No, 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 no. We can listen to it right now, or we—I mean, I listened to it recently. You listened to "Nail in the Coffin" recently? I haven't listened to it in a I while. I believe the MJK, MJK, which is I, I do that? not like that for at all. Oh, dude, he might have won that one. <laughs> MGK won it against Eminem. No, let's play it. Play the track. What Give is the track? I need for my track. city need or whatever. What, what, what track are you I'm talking just saying, about? Bro, no, no, on your own time. I don't know. About okay, I'll listen to my own time. But Jesus maybe. Christ, you know what? Real? It might be also though. Listen, Eminem to it. doesn't want to put too much effort into fucking dissing MGK. Yeah, like, he, come on. Does he really want to spend too much time thinking about MGK? He's gonna spend all that time fixing up his Ferrari to race a Honda. He threw something out real quick, you know, real quick. He did it on his phone, sent it out. He's like, I agree, but listening back to it. I think that it might just be that. It might just be that MGK knew that this was a moment of his lifetime, so he put everything into this song, and he knew what he was hitting. He was hitting all angles. Yeah. And then M was just like, what this full ain't worth the weight this? of gold that I'm going to put no, in this No, never, never. So I'm just going to I'm gonna yeah. hate him. And he hit him with the, you know, the, how you going to call yourself a damn gun when you got a man bun? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> remember that shit? I, know, I know, I know. That's what that shit was hitting him with. And I was just like, I just don't know if this was know, winning. Yeah, when I, I re-listened to it, yeah. I was like, at first, when we listened to it, if you go back to the podcast, you can listen 2019, whenever that shit came out, we were saying, murder this fool. Body dumb. But now, sitting right here in this chair, I just listened to it. I re-listened to both the battles. I kind of, I don't know. You know, I go on these YouTube binges where I'm like diving into something. I dove into the MGK song and then I listened to the M song. Let me ask you a quick and then I listened to the M and Sway. Uh, um, what is a interview? Mm-hmm. Oh, there you where go. he was, you know, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Like, we talking yeah. about like I didn't even want to do this, like yeah. fuck yeah. this. But yeah. then he mentioned Haley, and I was like, fuck <laughs> oh, this. Oh yeah, you gotta fool. kill him. Now you gotta da, kill. Da, 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 now, now you gotta, gotta kill him. And da da da. And and after re-listening to everything, like, of course, I'm I'm on the M side because M is the fucking a goat. Dad, he's, he's the a goat. goat. He's the man. You get his back. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But re-listening to it for real though, what do you think? Might have won that. And I don't. I hate. 
What I'm not going to say think? I hate somebody. What That's you, harsh words. Okay. But MGK, I'm not a fan of what MGK. What do you think? I like his uh, rock music. I'm, I'm a fan oh, of his I punk shit. Mm. Like, More than his regular shit. I don't yeah. think I've even really heard the his punk, punk shit. The punk shit, cool, bro. I'm down with it because he Stick fuck, with your punk shit. Don't go rapping. He's yeah. fucking with yeah. Mott's son. Mott's son. And Travis was, Barker and shit. Yeah. Mott's son yeah. was a homie of Milk Rates and Microphones alum, Nathan Miller, who is... Skylit Drive, they're homies with yes. this dude Modson, and uh-huh. Modson was doing shit with MGK, and I okay. love that punk punk rock. Yes, mix it's a good vibe. It's heard, a good vibe. I've heard some good shit from MGK. We're good with what that. What does Megan Fox's pussy look like? <laughs> whoa, That's the whoa, question whoa, I want to know. Is there curtains? Is it sweet? Is it tight? Is it is a fatty? Is it nice? Is it put whoa, away? Season seven is PG. It's is the PG draw, era. Are you drawing the curtains on the it? PG I just want to know. Is PG? We're on PG tonight. I just want to know. Is the curtains? Are we closing it? Is it a clean seal? Is it a clean Fellas, seal? Or is I think curtains? we can Google that. And. Hopefully, I'm gonna there, say there's hopefully curtains. there are curtains. I'm going to say some curtains. If there. we're lucky, there are. I'm going to say some curtains. The man has pulled uh, Megan Fox, but uh, another but it, man who has lost a beautiful woman, uh, Pete Davidson. Ski, 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 motherfucker. Ski, 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 goddamn. And then the bottom, the bottom, the, the, what do you call it? The, the, uh, he lost the fine print. He did. The fine print. Is she back with Kid Cudi would have played the funeral, but he's afraid that they would throw water bottles at him. Yes. <laughs> Kid Cudi is somehow in this love triangle as well. I don't know I if he's wearing a dress. I don't know if he's involved with wait babysitting second, the kids. Second. I don't yes. know what the fuck's going on. Why is it they throw him under the bus like that? Yeezy's across the street still? <laughs> yes. Is he across the street yes. still? Yes. yes. <laughs> he lives across the street yes. with the binoculars. He's the neighbor with the binoculars. Remember? He is. No, he does. He bought Didn't the he house. Buy- he bought the Brady Brunch house across the street. He did. He did. He did. So um, what's going on with that? I don't know if he's living in that fucking house twenty four seven. It's bro. a joke house. I feel like but it's yeah, like yeah. it's like a, it's like a just house you go to when you get a chance. Kim Jeez. and Kim and Pete Davidson uh, apparently have broken up. Um, Kanye posted uh, instantly the next day. It was a newspaper huh. with the headline saying Pete Davidson dead at age twenty eight. Yeah, and it said uh, funeral would have been played by Kid Cudi, but he's afraid water balls get thrown out. Yeah, yeah, and today. Today, Skeet gets a brand new tattoo that says, I hate Kanye West. You're a liar. On his back. Let me see it. Let me yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Big Pete or Davidson small? Did? It's a good size. Pete Davidson did? Yeah. Jeez. I thought this guy was trying to get all his tattoos removed. He was. And then all of a sudden, he's back for the fire. <laughs> he's going to add another one to have it removed later. Wait a second. Maybe he was getting all his tattoos removed to create a clean canvas. I don't know. All I say is that if you have no, Mars attacks no, on your fucking chest, he has the alien from Mars attacks on the beginning. I on heard the front this of his fool chest. was trying to get all his shit removed so he could be like a better actor or a, a more uh, serious and more serious. desired. Why actor. would you have Shaolin tattooed on your belly, though? Because the man is from Staten Island. But what's that have to do with Shaolin? He's not a Wu-Tang member. I know. But I guess when you're from Staten Island, they refer to that as Shaolin. Really? Yes. Yeah. For real? For real? Yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a f- homie from the Shaolin. Damn. <laughs> so, and he's from the Bronx, kind of? He's from Staten Island. He's like Shaolin. He's from Staten Island. That's pretty sick, though. If you yeah. could say it, Shaolin. Have you not seen the movie King of Staten Island? I have, but I don't remember anybody calling it Shaolin yeah, in the goddamn they're, they're movie. They're calling it Shaolin, I'm pretty sure. Really? I'm almost, almost positive, yeah. How, what about his Mars uh, but, but Wu-Tang probably uh, coined that term. Just yeah. everyone else you know, uses it as well. Yeah. What about the Mars Attacks tattoos? Uh, I think he's a fan of uh, cartoons. Mars Attacks is a dope ass fucking. Such film. a good movie, but 
you got Mars Attacks and Shaolin. Let's see the Kanye. You got the Kanye tat on you right there? Let me um, see it. I was looking for the picture right here. That's crazy. He really got the I hate. Is it in good writing or just kind of like, yeah? Uh, it looks like. But also, didn't he get. None of his tattoos look on. good, though. Didn't, like, he, didn't he get Kanye's uh, kids' yes. names tattooed on him? He got the initials well? of like uh, North Pole, South Pole, East and West. He got all that shit on him. Yeah, he got those. Yeah, I mean, so, hey. I don't think at that point in the game, any other tattoo you add to you hurts you. It's nah. all about a win. It's all about, he's like a travel sticker. It's like a bumper sticker. You go somewhere, you get a sticker, you also, keep going. You could, uh, you could cover up any tattoo. Yeah, I'm sure. With the right amount of work, you could throw a couple of money, especially with the money he's got, you could fix anything. I'm sure. And at that point in the game, you're going to get that tattoo covered no matter what. And if you don't get it covered no matter what, you might be foolish. I mean, at the same time, I remember the first time I got my pussy tattooed. And when I got my pussy tattooed, it wasn't the same as it was the first time I got it. I used to have a rainbow over my lips, and then I got the rainbow removed. And then when I came back, the tattoo was gone. And now I grew my hair out over the rainbow. And now my pubic hair, you can no longer see the hair. You can no longer right. see the rainbow over my, over my vagina. Whoa, you left me in fucking left field. Jesus I got to keep going Christ. out here. Jesus Christ. I shouldn't Jesus Christ. Thanks left. for coming back. I appreciate you we're coming back, up. Back. I can't leave dead air in this bad boy. You got to keep it moving. Ooh, what's going on, brother? How are you tonight? All right. How's it going? Good, man. Good, good, good to see you. You can hear us good? Yeah. You're just fine. Great, great, great. Okay. Starting the interview tonight. Thank you for joining us. Joining us tonight, it is WWE legend from the new generation era. Somebody that we grew up watching when we were kids. And uh, somebody that we have a lot of questions for tonight. This is the man, Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. Thank you for joining us tonight, brother. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on the show, man. Hey, thank you very much for taking time out of your Friday night to join us. Um and talk a little bit about your career and how you're doing now. No problem. Sounds good. Great, great. So you are, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. Yes. We are recording this right now from this little small town in California Lodi, called Cal- Lodi, California. California. And on your Wikipedia, it says you were born in Lodi, California. Woo! I was born in Lodi, California. Hell yes. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and your connection with Lodi. And, uh, and if you ever still come back. Yeah. And, and um, did you grow up here or were you just born here? And a little bit about your, your coming up and that type of thing. Yeah, I was born there. Um, most of my family was in California when I was born. I didn't live there too long, I think. We moved to Florida when I was about four years old. My dad was in the Air Force, and then he was in the Coast Guard over in Florida while he was also an attorney. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was born in Lodi. We lived in Modesto a little bit. Wow. Um, I never got back there again until I was touring with the WWF. And uh, then I was – I remember one tour in particular I was riding with – Bob Holly and, and Adam Bomb, and we did a California loop, and uh, I got to kind of run through that whole area up through Lodi and Stockton and and all those places. So that was the only time I ever got a chance to go back there. I do. I still have an uncle that lives over near Oakland, but uh, the rest of us all kind of moved out of there. Oh wow! 
Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we're we're in Lodi, and I I remember seeing you uh, in Stockton at the Civic Center playing a Monday Night Raw in '95, I be- or '96, I believe, maybe '95. Um, but yeah, when we looked at your Wikipedia and we seen that you were from Lodi, it was, uh, was mind blowing. Blown away yeah, because it's just a small town, small world. You know what I mean? But it is. Uh, it is. It is it's California. Big, it's big enough for for you, obviously, yeah. to be here. Obviously, that's crazy. You know. Blows us away. It's vineyard country, and the only other claim to fame is the Creedence Clearwater Revival. There you oh, go. Yes. Second Lodi. Yeah. Dude, so jumping into your wrestling career, man, like, I want to know who trained you? How did you break into the business? Um, did you, you didn't start out in the WWF. I want to know who trained you and kind of where you started out and, you know, where you put in your miles, man. I started out in Florida. Um, I grew up in Florida, basically, uh, for about 30 plus years of my life. Um, I knew I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I was a fan of Ric Flair's in the 80s. I was a fan, big fan of the Road Warriors. Um, and going through high school, I was on the wrestling team. And um, my senior year, when the wrestling season was over, we had a fundraiser. And we brought in basically the championship wrestling from Florida people, you know, Dusty Rhodes yeah. and uh, Lex Luger and Barry Windham. And they came and wrestled in our gym as a fundraiser for the wrestling team. Wow. So we got to work security walking the guys to the ring. And um, one of the guys that was on that card was a guy named Tyree Pride. He wrestled as the Haitian sensation, Tyree Pride. And, um, my dad was asking around in the locker room to find out where there was a, a nearby wrestling school because he didn't, you know, he knew I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And this guy Tyree was a tag team partner with this guy Bobby Wales, mm. the Jamaican jammer Bobby Wales Jamaican uh, had jammer. a school in Oklahoma near Miami, and and I was still in my senior year of high school when I started training in the wrestling ring. And I trained with the likes of Norman Smiley as well and a bunch of other guys. But, um, yeah, this was a pretty good – he was a really good teacher. He still is. I think he's he's living in Jamaica now. And he still runs some wrestling shows and stuff. But that's where I kind of came up, man. I was doing – you know, my first wrestling matches, you know, I wrestled – with the AWA after Vergania sold it, they came to Florida and did a tour of the AWA ICW when the uh, Savoldis were running it. Wow. And they still had like Nick Bockwinkle and Larry Zabisco and a bunch of the other guys. But I here I was, this 18-year-old kid just breaking in and uh, getting to wrestle on shows with these guys that I was watching on TV. Just Which had to be awesome. Before. Had to be so awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of where I started out. I did some wrestling in the Bahamas with these guys with Bobby Wales and Tyree pride. And and then I started working the independent circuit in Florida, which, you know, is nothing like the independent circuit now, but I worked for a company called sunshine wrestling federation and which later became Florida championship wrestling. They brought, they bought that name. Uh, and I think later on, WWE bought it from them and made it their their uh, developmental territory. Yep. But that is where I developed Duke the Dumpster. Well, <laughs> back then it was known as the Garbage Man Rocco Gibraltar. Mm. In, 
Sunshine Wrestling Federation down in Florida. But that's where I came up. That's where I learned. That's where I wrestled. You know. How did you know? Now, that, how did you know that you wanted to go that way? Yeah, growing up, were you a wrestling fan? Yeah, and like, was it something? Did you watch? Uh, like being from Florida, so you must have watched some Florida championship wrestling and seen Dusty Rhodes in the in the oh, territories yeah. and stuff. Were you a fan of wrestling and were you athletic? Were you playing sports in in high school or was it just, hey, I want to be a wrestler? Uh, this is this is the route I'm taking. Yeah, exactly. I was a big time fan. I watched it every weekend. Championship wrestling from Florida with Gordon Soley, of mm-hmm. course. Yes. And um, we were also kind of piping in some TV from Texas at the time. You know, World Class Championship with the Von Erichs. Nice. I would watch that as well. Um, the best but of the then, best. around whatever it was, 84, 85, we started to see some New York television. We would see Vince McMahon's product with Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. Mm. And that hype building up to WrestleMania one was when I really decided that, that that's what I was going to do. Um, and to answer your question about being, I was an athlete. Yeah. You know, I played some football in high school, but I also wrestled on the wrestling team in high school. So I was already in really good shape going into the training. Mm-hmm. So it was real easy for me. I, you know, I think I had my first match probably six months after I started learning because I, I was, a real quick study. I, I basically learned pretty much almost every move, like with one try. Wow. That, and Bobby was just a really good teacher too, Bobby Wales. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's how I kind of came up. Yeah. And they, and they, I, I've heard a lot of uh, former wrestler superstars talk about how being a fan helped them kind of catch on to the business a little bit faster. So being able, you know, some other wrestlers that came from like football or some sports that just, came in because they were big guys didn't really catch on as fast as people that were fans and knew how to run the ropes and stuff like that was that easy for you to catch on to because you were watching it as a youngster yeah and i probably had a much better understanding than other people who were not wrestling fans because i religiously went down i went to live shows the the miami beach convention center every wednesday The, the the Florida the championship wrestling from Florida had a loop every week in Florida they would come around and on Wednesday they were in Miami Beach and I went every Wednesday and I stood out back and waited for the wrestlers to come in and during the show I stood back near the locker room and watched every show learned everything I could learn um, and then just tried to translate it and take it to practice with me and I would I would like ask my trainer Bobby Wales I'd say hey I saw this guy do this how do I do it and that's basically how I learned a dude of that's your stature awesome. must have stood out though correct you must have just stood out like a fucking sore thumb waiting in the background everyone was like this guy is going to be something this guy is big something big dude yeah yeah you're yeah. a fucking you monster had you had to be standing out and everyone has been like who is this guy who is this guy you had to be noticeable there were times when I got some funny looks from some of the boys back in those days. Gosh, who was, you know, I mean, it was guys, Kevin Sullivan, Barry Windham, Kendall Windham was wrestling them. This guy, what was his name? Chris Champion was wrestling. Muda was in the territory wow. for a while back then. I remember Muda vividly because he was the first moonsault I had ever seen. Oh. And that was just like this whole new thing yeah. in wrestling that, you know, it was just nobody had ever seen it before. Yeah. But, um, those were the guys, and yeah, sometimes they would kind of look at me like, what the hell are, what are you doing here? But, yeah. um, you know, I was just, I was fucking 17, 18 years old, wow. and it basically a kid standing back there just trying to, you know, learn whatever I could. 
Yeah. How how was that integrating yourself as a youngster in the locker room? Because um, all the stories that we hear as fans is, you know, the locker room was a tough place back then, especially in those days. And you got to show your respect and shake everybody's hand and that type of thing. How was it integrating yourself as a youngster in, in a locker room full of veterans like Kevin Sullivan and uh, Barry Windhams and people that were mainstays on television, on television, and, and, and you're coming ass, in as an 18-year-old? I mean, in those days, I was a fan, I mean, and I wasn't in the locker room with them um, because I wasn't wrestling for them. Mm-hmm. I was just a fan in that capacity at those shows. But um, I learned, yeah, I mean, I learned pretty quick. You, you got to be humble in this business, and you got to be respectful of those that came before you. Um, and aside from that, down in Florida, you know, I, I moved up pretty quick through the ranks, and I became one of the respected people because um, – Especially when I started rest, doing the garbage man gimmick, because yeah. then everybody, I had this gimmick and everybody wanted me to, they wanted to put me on the top of their shows. So, I mean, in the independence, but yeah, it was, uh, I was taught well. Bobby Wales taught me well. He taught me about respect and being humble. Um, and and uh, that's the way I came up in the business. Uh, how did you, so it was very. How did you come up with the gimmick, the garbage man? I went to college at the University of Miami and I was wrestling on the side, you know, like on weekends or whenever I could find wrestling shows. But uh, I was in a fraternity at the college and one of the one of my drunk fraternity brothers came up with the name Rocco Gibraltar. <laughs> Killer such name. a Killer. fucking cool name, dude. That, that was so, a- I mean, I remembered I stored that in the computer bank. I said, I'm going to use this name someday. <laughs> And I remembered I was I was um, wrestling in Florida. My first gimmick was Mean Mike Casey. That didn't last very long. But then I was Surfer Boy Harry Race, the nephew of Harley Race. He knew nothing about. And that didn't last long. But then I came up with the gimmick. I was like, all right, I got to come up with a good gimmick with this awesome name, and it's got to be something that Vince McMahon would buy. And I remember brainstorming in my room. Um, I just lived right off of campus in an apartment. I just remember just laying there, looking at the ceiling, brainstorming. And um, I thought of the G-Man, Rocco Gibraltar. And I tried to figure out what a G-Man was. Mm. And it came to two possibilities. A G-Man as like a government man, like an FBI agent. Mm. <laughs> or a G-Man, like a garbage man, a cool way to say garbage man. And then I said, the garbage man, Rocco Gibraltar. And the way that just flowed right off the tongue, the alliteration, I said, that's it. I said, not only is that a cool name, it it sounds cool. It's a really cool gimmick. It's exactly what Vince McMahon would buy, a blue-collar hard worker, the the big baby face the fans would love. So that's when it came together. And then I really... Really, every match, every show I did, I wrestled as the Garbage Man Rocco Gibraltar, and I taped everything I did so I could start creating and building a promotional package. That's awesome. That is amazing. Very smart. Very smart. Now, working in those days, was it always the goal to get to the WWF? I mean, obviously, um, WCW was building their reputation in the early 90s, and they would blow up in the mid-90s, but was WWF the gold standard, and that was where you – where you wanted to be obviously yeah wwf was definitely always the gold standard and um in those days 
WCW was a sec would have been a secondary choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but WWF was, was definitely, and I had a friend that was kind of helping me develop, uh, this guy named, he wrestled as Jimmy Young for the WWF. He was an enhancement wrestler, Jimmy Young and, uh, Joe Murto back in the eighties, they wrestled sometimes as a tag team, uh-huh. but Jimmy had been up there. So he was telling me all about it and what to expect. But, um, interesting thing, the way I got my job, I had finally put together this promotional package, right? I did a like a highlight reel and a and a interview and a full match and a resume and pictures and basically Vince McMahon was at the Natpee convention in the Miami Beach Convention Center one week and um, I found out he was there. The Natpee convention is like TV executives; they all come together and meet and buy and sell shows or whatever yeah, yeah. they do. But USA, WWF TNT, was there, yeah, yeah, and yeah. WCW was there. No wrestlers, just just the main guys, really. Um, no, they had wrestlers too. They had wrestlers there. Okay, but um, you know, plus it was a bunch of other shit like Seinfeld or uh, Friends or whatever. All these networks, hmm. and um, I just remember I had a friend that worked for a local station and. Uh, because he was a TV executive, vice president, Channel 2. He gave me his credentials. Awesome. And I put on a suit, and I wore his fucking credentials, and I walked in and crashed this convention like I was working there or something. And I walked right up to Vince McMahon himself and pitched him. I just said, hey, my name's Mike Drossi. I wrestle here in Florida. I've been wrestling for almost nine years, and I want to come work for you. And, you know, he... Looked me up and down. He asked me a few questions, and I gave him the promotional package, and I got the hell out of there. But the funny thing is, and this was a conscious decision, as I walked away from Vince McMahon, directly in front of me was the WCW stand, (laughs) their their section. And I walked right towards it, and I turned me to left and walked right out the door. There you go. Stop WCW. There you that go. Was a win. That there was a win. Go. And he was watching your move, too. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> bet you he was. Vince, the, the – So, same. yeah, that was the gold standard, and that's uh, – I just wanted the World Wrestling Federation. That, that's that's cool. smart. That's very that's fucking smart. smart. Very cool. Now, after you passed along that, that package to Vince McMahon and you gave him your spiel, you know, can you talk about – who contacted you after that, and how was that first meeting like? Uh, did you have to do an actual WWF tryout? Did you just have, like, a uh, a meeting at Vince McMahon's home with Pat Patterson? Talk about the, that first meeting. Well, interestingly, they did. J.J. Uh, Dillon called me. Okay. And they, they brought me up for a tryout. Um, it was, I, I didn't go up for Raw, but the next two days they taped like superstars and stuff. And I did dark matches on those next two days of TV taping. Um, I didn't go to Vince's house or anything like that. You know, he talked to me in the back and said hi and everything. But uh, other than that, I just did my tryout. And, um, you know, J.J. Dillon called me a little while after that and said, everybody seems to like you, man. Uh, we're going to go ahead and offer you a contract, which the contract was nothing. But mm-hmm. which I'm sure you guys have heard 10 matches for $150 a yeah, match. Yeah. That's your guarantee. That was your chance to wrestle for the WWF. Oh, wow. But, you know, it was a chance. So you jumped on it. Um, but, yeah, he, he J.J. Dillon kind of handled all the business after that in terms of getting me in there. Uh, and then I went to work for them. You know, they signed me, and uh, 
kind of just brought me in and started the ball rolling. Yeah, and, and you and you got, I mean, you came into the WWF at the time during the new generation, which was like the evo- the the transition from the, the golden attitude. era. No, from the golden era from the Hogan's golden, yeah. and the Warriors and and the Macho Man's mm-hmm. and. You were a prominent face. I know for me as a youngster watching um, the new generation was kind of where I got hooked into wrestling mm-hmm. and you were a prominent face on main, on on TV, mainstream TV and a mainstay <sighs> as Duke the Dumpster's Drozzy and brought in with great vignettes as well. Let's talk a little bit about those vignettes that you, you shot the w- world famous commercial, the <laughs> McDonald's commercial of Michael Jordan off the off the sign, off the Hollywood sign, off the overpass. The McDonald's, those McDonald's commercials. Nothing but net. <laughs> yes. And then Duke the Dumpster comes in with the off the building, off of this, into the dumpster. No <laughs> off the payloader. Yeah. That was actually Shane McMahon's idea to Great. copy that commercial wow. because Shane was the one, hands on, uh, he was the one producing my vignettes. Mm. Uh, I rode around Stanford, Connecticut it, with shane mcmahon and his corvette and we went and we met up with an actual garbage truck that was working its rounds and we we've shot vignettes off the back of a garbage truck in people's neighborhoods with real garbage men Hell yeah. uh then we went to the dump there near stanford and we shot some some vignettes there that's where we shot that one the the michael jordan Esque super commercial, tight. super tight, and um, yeah, and that's that's where we shot the rest of them. But it was all Shane McMahon's ideas, man. He can well. He and I both came up with like ideas and verbiage and stuff. Uh-huh. But he produced he produced all my stuff, which made it. It was great for me because he really see Shane at that time was kind of going through each level of the business because at that time he was expected to be. The person that would one day take over, the heir I think. Yeah, the heir apparent, and he was the he was working in the studio at the time, and I just happened to be the lucky one that came in to do vignettes when he was producing them. And, and you guys are about uh, the so same same age there. as well, too, right? So you guys probably connected really well. Yeah, it was cool. We had fun, and 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 uh, he was real cool. He was God. I think he was like twenty three or something. And oh, I think wow. I was twenty five, twenty six. Oh, perfect, perfect, comparable age. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the WWF locker room like back you know when you first started and were you well received in the WWF locker room was was it a big step up and a big difference than your previous you know territories that you worked at was it hard to get accepted in yeah. the WWF was it hard to be cool with everybody then well it is definitely a, a different dynamic yeah. and um, it is it is a lot different than the the small territory type you know promotions you work for um you know i essentially went from being a big fish in a small pond to mm-hmm. just being one of the many fish in a very huge ocean yeah. of great talent um so it was interesting and it was difficult and you know because in a lot of ways you know i learned a lot from a lot of people before i went up there about the business and stuff but there's still a lot of things you got to learn on your own and uh <clears throat> You know, it's a dog-eat-dog business, man. People will stab you in the back, and they'll be nice to your face, and they'll shake your hand and be humble. But the reality is they're they're trying to protect their spots. Yeah. So I found myself, because I was such a nice guy to everybody, 
I found myself becoming stagnant in this spot that I didn't move. I, I got stuck in the middle of the card and, you know, I, I didn't move from there. And it was very, very frustrating. And uh, that's kind of, it got more and more frustrating as I moved on mm -hmm. the next, I was there a total of like two and a half years. Yeah, it got frustrating, but, um, you know, I knew I was good enough to be there. There was yeah. no doubt in my mind, but, um, you know, that's not all it takes. It takes yeah. more than that. <laughs> you know, crazy. you gotta have, you gotta have the ability to play that fucking political game in the back Oof. or it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah. Pull those strings. You know how crazy it is for me as a longtime wrestling fan? Cause I, I, like I said, um, I'm 36 now. So I was, I was a kid when I was watching from 93 to 96. And then in high school, I stopped watching obviously. And then when the network came back, I started watching again. But for me to hear you say that you were only a part of the WWF for two and a half years is mind-boggling. Because it seemed like he was for there for me, a long it time. felt like you were there for ten years. Yeah, like for me, the Duke the Dumpster Drozzy was a mainstay, a memorable on character, Mo Monday man. Night Raw, and uh, and and it's just it's crazy how when you look back as you get older, how much that time fluctuates from. That two-year period that felt like ten years was really only a year and a half or two and a half years, like you said. Uh, yeah, that was the new generation. It, it was. felt like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes nobody was making much money, and uh, it just dragged on and on. And we were working a shitload of days a year. Everybody was exhausted all the time, and um, it was difficult. And uh, it seemed like a long time, but yeah, there was. It got to the point, you know. Duke the dumpster was. I mean, I think I was pretty well known. It was a mm -hmm. character that stood out, oh, but. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there was long periods of time where they didn't use me on TV, yeah, and yeah. I wasn't getting much. They, they didn't use me on house shows for a while, and uh, that's I mean, of course again when things started to get frustrating. But um, yeah, you know, you don't realize it, but but hindsight, yeah, it wasn't a very long. I wasn't there very long. Very, did, and, you, um, did you know that they were trying to kind of phase you out in a certain way, or did you realize that, or did you think they were like, oh, you're a flash in the pan? Did they make you feel like that in any type of sense? Not really. The, the the thing you get, and this is, I've realized, and you know, looking back now, this is the kiss of death when they say we're trying to figure out what to do with you, which means uh, we want to keep you. Yeah. We want to keep you and figure out what to do with you, but right now we don't know what it is, which means we'll put you in the okay, back. but yeah, yeah, we're gonna put you on the back burner. And you see, the problem was though in those days, the back burner meant zero dollars on oh. a paycheck. You yes. didn't get paid anything if you weren't out there working on the road. Um, there was no guaranteed contracts. Maybe a couple of guys up top got guarantees, you know, and I don't think they got guarantees at that time. They just, they got good money because they were on top all the time. Yeah. You know, like your Bret Hart's and your mm -hmm. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. Merchandise uh, and show. Yeah, you you sure. mentioned Bret Hart just now. Um, I've read and heard uh, interviews where, you know, you talked about and Bret talked about, uh, you, you know, how you guys were friends. Uh, not yeah, just friends, best friends. Best friends behind the best scenes. Friends. You guys rode together, um, you know, had a lot of great conversations together. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship with Brett the Hitman Hart? Because Brett is one of the greats of the business, and nobody denies that, but mm. uh, he's a very kept-to-himself type of person. So we really don't know the ins and outs of Brett Hart. Uh, and you're somebody that rode the road with him. so And knows him. You yeah. know him. Do you have anything for us insight on that? Yeah, you know, it was – Again, 
it was a weird thing. Nobody rode with Bret Hart. Mm, no. And it was very notice. It was very noticeable. Yeah. And uh, I, during the years towards the end there, especially when I was started to get frustrated, um, I remember sitting down in the bar with Bret. I was so frustrated and just exhausted and angry that I was like, man, I got to figure something out because I'm getting tired of this shit. And, you know, I, I basically Brett offered to let me ride with him, which I was like, holy shit, the champion is going to let me ride with him. Right. Yeah. So I learned a lot from Brett. Um, you know, they, they call that sitting up under the learning tree. You know, I've had many occasions to sit and listen to Brett talk the way he talked about other, especially like a stone cold. He started talking about Steve Austin from the day Austin walked through the door and I knew there was going to be something one day between those two. And I used to always tell Steve and Steve was always like in the beginning, Steve was so frustrated. He goes, I don't know, man. I don't know. I said, yeah, trust me. Brett's got his eye on you. You guys are going to work together. Yeah. But then like situations where like WrestleMania 12, uh, when uh, Roddy Piper came in, uh, he jumped in the car with me and Brett. So I sat there in the in the wow. back seat like this, listening to these fucking two guys talk was like, holy shit, baby. We know what uh, I, I want. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but one of my favorite okay. programs of all time was the Bret Hart Rowdy Piper '92 WrestleMania program that they ran where. It was like uh, Rowdy Piper knew him as a kid, and he kept telling him. I'm, it was for the Intercontinental title, and he mm-hmm. kept telling him, I know yep. you, kid. I know you, kid. And then they went into it, and it was babyface versus babyface, which is always a tough business to do. And they went into the ring and had one of the classic matches where, like, Rowdy Piper, I mean, just. Who took it? Who won? Well, Bret Hart won the championship, oh, okay. but Rowdy, like, teased a, 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 a heel turn and then came back face was going to hit him with the uh, bell and didn't hit him with the bell. Those guys are some of the most genius wrestlers of all time. Those two. And you were storytellers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you were in the back Absolutely. seat curled up listening to them tell stories. Amazing. Yeah. And it was, you know, the interesting, before I say more about Brett, the interesting conversation in that car with Brett and Roddy Piper during WrestleMania 12 was Brett was talking about possibly going to WCW mm. then. Yeah. And he was talking to Piper about it. And Brett kept saying, but if I go to WCW, my whole legacy here will disappear. And then I just remember Roddy Piper going, you, you need to go where the fucking millions of dollars where are. Where the money You need to go. Yeah. <laughs> Piper had so, already made the jump by then, right? He'd already been there and back. Uh, did he? I think he had already did gone there. Have and then I think he did back. Hollywood a little bit for a while, and then he came, he came yeah. back for WrestleMania 12, and then maybe yeah. he went and signed with WCW. Yeah. Didn't he? I think, I think so. so. I don't know. We hey, we're not a big about facts around here. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Me neither. But I will say this about Brett. Brett was an interesting character. See, Bret Hart, you know. We rode together and we were friends and everything, but he also fucking wound me up. He had me doing some stupid shit Mm career-wise. He had me calling Vince McMahon in the on on his fucking in his hotel room before a pay-per-view. He gave you know he had me calling Vince McMahon's house about shit about my angles and stuff. Yeah, and I was like looking back on it, I went, how was I so stupid to fall for that? On that note, I just envisioned I envisioned him sitting in his house, just going, I can't believe he did it. Man, I can't believe he did it. (laughs) On that, he was winding me up. 
Wow. Well, but you know, I was pretty clueless. You have to follow at that point in your career. Yeah. You're young, and Bret Hart is Just pumping you up on this pedestal you, yeah. as being the he's the top guy in the world at that time. He's a you know if you're looking at uh, PWI top 500, he's a top fucking wrestler. And he's in, the in world your ear. He's in your ear. You're gonna be like, dude, maybe I should follow what he fucking says. Yeah. He, he knows he's what making, he's doing. He's he knows making what he's millions doing. of dollars. Yeah. I should be making them same steps. And I mean, a lot of times he had great advice, but uh, sometimes he was just, like I said, he was winding me up. Can- and um, and I figured that out later. But, um, you know, Brett was he was an interesting character, you know. And uh, But it was an experience to, to ride with him and sit under that learning tree. Um, I also rode with Austin quite a bit, and I learned a lot from Steve Austin, too. What? And Austin never wound me up. He always gave me good advice. The problem was half the time I just didn't take his advice, and I took Brett's advice. Jesus. Well, at the time, I mean, when you're in it and Austin's just barely coming yeah. in, he's, he's slamming not, beers. The rattlesnake, you're not going to believe him. He's, believe he's not the Texas rattlesnake. He's the ringmaster. Yeah. Yeah. Ring right? Oh, he was the ringmaster, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's, On that note, can you talk about that piece of advice that that Bret Hart threw at you about, you know, maybe possibly not working with the ringmaster because it would be bad for your career. My first initial two-year contract was coming up and the end of it. Uh, and you had to sign for it to roll over in another one-year increment each time. One year, one-year rollover, right? Mm-hmm. So my one-year was rollover was coming up and I had to sign for it. But at that moment in time, they weren't hardly using me. They had me. I wasn't on TV hardly at all. Um, I wasn't on the road very much. Matter of fact, I wasn't at TV on TV so much. I didn't even bring my gear in at TV uh, tapings. I left it in the freaking car yeah. because I was like, I know I'm not going to be on. And um, on this particular occasion, it was literally right before my contract was up. And um, at the last minute, somebody, one of the agents says, Drosy, go get, get your gear on. We're, we're going to have you work with this guy. And um, it was it was Austin. He was the ringmaster. Maybe it was even his first match in. Um, and I just remember getting my stuff and sitting down, and, and Brett's sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And I go, they're fucking killing me, man. Yeah. I can't keep doing this. And he goes, I would refuse to do it. Oh. And I remember at him and going, is that even an option? <laughs> Mm. Yeah. So were you supposed to do goes, this? Were, were you doing the job that night? Doing the job? Well, yeah, I was putting over the new guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, they bring you in, they put yeah. you over pretty strong with everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's kind of where I had I had been relegated to is putting over new heels as they came in, and I was just frustrated. And um, I went in and talked to Bruce Pritchard and said, "Look, I don't know what you guys want me to do any different, but you know, I'm I'm getting tired of this." So. Um, he told me, he goes, you don't have to do the match. Um, and Vince will talk to you tomorrow at TV. And, you know, me and Vince had a conversation where he promised me the world and they were going to turn me heel and all this stuff. But I went back in the locker room that night. And I remember, and I, I told Brett, he goes, I told Brett that Bruce says, I don't have to do it. And I remember Fatu Rikishi, but he was Fatu then. Yeah. Right head shrinkers, he, he goes, he said, uh, Yo, bro, you need to go tell that dude mm-hmm. what's up. And um, I walked over to Austin. He goes, hey, man, I hear we're working together. And I said, well, we're actually not. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. And it has nothing to do with you, but they've been killing me here for about uh, the last year. 
And I, I chose tonight to kind of take a stand and I want you to understand it has nothing to do with you. I would love to work with you and I'll put you over a hundred times out of a hundred. And he said, man, I understand, you know, coming from what he had just been through with mm. WCW. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he said, man, I completely understand. And we became great friends and we really, we started riding together after that, you know, cause nice. we were both fucking goofy as hell. And, um, but we had a blast after that. But he to totally understand, but we still laugh about it to this day. I, I, I always start conversations with, I refused to do a job for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> but that's a good trademark to fucking go to the grave with. You know, that's a, that, hey, that's one that you put on your headstone. I, yeah. I refused to do the job for Stone Cold. What are my many great career moves? Hey, and Stone Cold years later would refuse to do a job for one Brock Lesnar. So, hey, man, I, mean, I think around. Austin understood, full you circle. know, yeah, full there, there, there is a time and place well, to take a stand. And there. like you said, him coming from WCW and getting getting the dick down by uh, Bischoff. Bischoff at that point, I'm, I he fully understood it. And that was the great thing for us as fans mm. watching Austin's blow up was the, the, the fact that we saw him struggle for so long and come from ECW. And then, you know, seeing him blow up, it was like, he's a working man. Kind of like you, you mm -hmm. came in as a working man. You're a fucking garbage man. Like there's nothing more blue collared, mm. bring your lunch pail right. to fucking work. Vince McMahon must've loved that about you. How was your relationship with Vince McMahon in the locker room? It was great in the beginning, especially, um, and he did love the gimmick. Yeah. But it was right there. It was right there at that moment in time where the gimmicks were starting to change. It was, it was moving from cartoonish gimmicks yeah. more realistic. to more realistic mm -hmm. characters. And that's what I kept talking to them about. I said, I want to be a heel. I want to mm -hmm. cut, off, cut off the long hair. Mm -hmm. I want to just – I just want to be Duke Drosy. Mm -hmm. You know, you could call me Duke, yeah. the Duke or whatever, but – just Duke Trosi. I don't want to be a garbage man or a dumpster anymore. I just want to be a heel and let me get on the microphone. Uh, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Absolutely, absolutely, you know. And they just never pulled the trigger on it. But looking back, I should have really, to a certain extent, there are ways you can get yourself over. Oh, and yeah. those, that was one of the things I did not understand back uh, in those days. Yeah. Live TV is live TV. So yeah. you go out there and you can. You can apologize afterwards, but go out and get over. And that's what I really should have done. I should have taken the reins into my own hands and just said, screw them. Then I'm not going to wait for them to turn me heel. I'm just going to turn heel. Mm. Well, hey, in 95, you had a you know pretty decent little run. You had a good program with Triple H, and you were even ranked 130th uh, wrestler out of PWI Top 500, man. So Which, in 1995. I'm here to say that fuck the PWI doesn't mean nothing, but, but it's still an accomplishment <laughs> to be on the list. Yeah, you dude, son of a right? bitch. Well, you remember right when I got signed with the WWF, I was number 500 uh -huh. on the top 500. Yeah. And okay. they made such Which a big awesome. deal about it that PWI, mm -hmm. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, acted like they got me hired by the WWF. <laughs> which was the furthest, furthest thing from the truth. But um, I was I was 500, and I think I made it up into the 100 somewhere at yeah, the yeah. top. Which but, is uh, awesome. My career. But, but – um, my relationship with Vince was great in the beginning, but then when things started to go down, you know, when I wasn't being used as much, I really started to get, I, be, I became like a malcontent. I was yeah. angry. And every time we met, it was basically me bitching. And um, I think he just got tired of it. He was like, you know, 
Did it feel um, like you? You also were dealing with the Vince McMahon yeah. from. Yeah. He was coming off of the post uh, steroid trial, mm. and uh, he had his own problems too. You know. For yeah. Sure. Like, what was it like? I mean, he was younger. He was obviously just getting over in the business um, and starting to become an on-screen character. And now he's, he was a he was the voice of Raw, basically. And now he's back in his own trials and tribulations. To yeah. this day, again. Are you yeah, still like, watching the product? Jesus. Are you still, you still watch the product? or? Um, I did not watch it for uh, quite a while, but I will say this. I caught most mostly what I catch is like highlights on like TikTok or YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. see little highlights, yeah, but yeah. I saw something that may bring me back to watching the product again. It was a match between um, uh, Ziggler. Uh, and uh, Gable, yeah, okay. Chad Gable. Yeah. Was that a recent match? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they had a little program together. That was an interesting match. It seemed like they finally, you know, let Dolph go out there and get over, and it was a good wrestling match. It yeah. was just interesting to me. It was, it, it was mm-hmm. not thirty minutes of talking and five minutes of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like maybe. Triple H taking over the creative will, uh, you know, end up with more like good wrestling, more solid good. wrestling angles that they actually put time into. For yeah, sure. I've been uh, waiting you, for Ziggler to get his chance. You know, like he deserves to get that for years. <laughs> for years, he's like the modern day Mister Perfect, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh God, sure. I love hearing that. I love hearing that because Mister Perfect. <laughs> he's like, a lot of people say Shawn Michaels, but I always say Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. was a Kurt Hennig guy. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Yep. 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 Yeah. If you look at it, Shawn Michaels was his favorite wrestler was Kurt Henning. So, uh, yeah. Ziggler. That whole click. Did. Those guys all loved. They they were loved the respected Kurt Henning. Mm-hmm. Even uh, when they even know, when he, Kurt Kurt would rib him right, and they would still laugh along with it because Kurt was the biggest exactly. ribber in the locker room, and they they loved that shit. Yeah, which, which he is, was a big ribber. Crazy sure. as fuck to think. How yeah. was that? Um, in that locker room at the time with the click, obviously they were um, super influential in the product and in Vince McMahon's ear at the time. We all know, and uh, obviously Shawn Michaels hasn't been shy about talking about it, but um, your relationship with them, um, and you were there when they left, when uh, Hall and Nash left as well. How how was it interacting with them in the locker room and then um, – you know, you getting over for yourself on the screen. I got, I got along great with those guys individually, mm-hmm. but as a group, they were fucking arrogant cocksuckers. <laughs> and uh, they'll admit that as a group, as the clique, they were very arrogant. Um, but as individuals, I would hang out at different times with, the, you know, several of those guys. I would go out partying with Scott. I'd go uh-huh. out and hang out with the kid or, you know, Kevin Nash would be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Triple H was not a partier yeah. at all. Uh, and there was even times where I'd go out and kind of look after, I, I'd say look after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd go hang out with Shawn Michaels, but I'd end up making sure that he got back to the hotel okay. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> he didn't Make get sure beat up he, or he left in a ditch. He didn't die. He didn't die. <laughs> Let's just say that 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 fucking brawl in Syracuse was not a fluke. There were many times he could have been in situations like that. With the Marines. Were you, were you there with the Marines that night? Mm-mm. I was not on that loop and I remember coming back to the next TV and him and him and uh, Kevin Nash sitting 
at a table and his face was all kind of marked up. Well, you, well, his eyes were yeah. inside of his eyes were like all bloodshot. And I said, you, well, if you would have had me on that tour, that shit wouldn't have happened. So, <laughs> I had found myself many times. Now, I mean, I don't know what the fuck would have happened, but yeah, you know, I would have tried to help him out. I would have, you know, I've gotten him out of situations in bars before. Okay. And it's always an interesting, I've been very creative in my ways, but, um, I've gotten him out of some bars and got him back to the hotel a few times, but that was then. I know times have changed, mm -hmm. of course, and, and he's changed, and a lot of people have changed. I don't know Sean now, but mm -hmm. uh, he was pretty unfucking bearable back then. Um, he was Jeez. pretty arrogant, and egotistical, like pretty much all the time. Like I said, the other guys, when they were all hanging together as a group, they were kind of pricks, but then when they would separate from the clique, they were like nice guys. But Sean, he was just sometimes unbearable. Yeah. But, You're not the you only know, person I knew what to he was, that. and it didn't bother me that much. HBK even himself will tell you. I was a piece of shit back in the day yeah. to a lot of people. You're and you're not the only person to say that he, he was unbearable. Going back to that that yeah, he, that program with Triple H, uh, you know, working with him, did you notice at that time like, hey, this man has a really good mind for the business? Did you think that he would one day be taking, taking over? over WWE as a creative control person? Um, the thing with Triple H came about because, you know, when I kind of took the stand uh, against doing the job for the ringmaster and uh, um, I went and talked to Vince McMahon, the their reaction, their answer to that was the program with Triple H. They mm -hmm. put me in that program and got me my first like singles pay-per-view match. So I got to work a lot uh, around the country and around the world with Triple H. And um, the thing I can say about Triple H is he, he was a very good worker. Uh, he was always very open-minded. Mm -hmm. He was always very willing to do whatever because I threw him all over the fucking place. Yeah. And he took he took that shit like a man because I was a brawler, man. And I just yeah. – I came from – like I told you, man, I was, I was a big fan of the Road Warriors. I stole a lot of their oh, shit. Yeah. And I used to throw people all over the place, all kinds of power slams and shit. He took it all, and he never complained, mm -hmm. not once. You guys had some really... always willing to do whatever. You guys had some really hard-hitting matches, and, dude. <laughs> people would tell you, though, right away, hey, man, take a, take a little easy on me. I think you're a little rough on me. They would tell you that at the end? Uh, not very many of them. Not very many of them. But you, you know, knew. They, you they, knew in the end that they didn't. They're like, ah, he's a little rough for me. No, but his style was just a brawler yeah, style. Yeah, he's style. not. He's not going to be hitting you with an elbow off the top rope. Yeah, he's going to get a power you slam. Yeah. You're going to get fucking put into the corner and get some boots. Yeah, you got to remember, I was there when fucking Bundy was there yes. and fucking Vader was there. Yeah. And he's fucking guy. Holy shit. You go in there and you feel like you've been in a damn car accident. Big throw boys. those, throw those boys, fists dude. in the corner. You'll be feeling that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those big fucking ham hocks. He would hit you upside the head with. But <laughs> I mean, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't just, yeah. you know, I don't, I wasn't taking liberties and just trying to hurt anybody, but yeah, but you were your body was going to be thrown through the air quite a bit if you worked with me, if especially if you were smaller than me, because I was going to throw your ass all over. But Triple H was always willing to take it. He was always very creative, had a, had great ideas. <clears throat> so in that sense, you could tell. Um, I, I'll say this: the whole clique in general, man, those guys loved the business. 
they were students of the game for sure. Um, they sat around and, you know, maybe they'd be at the bar drinking, but they were talking about wrestling mm-hmm. um, constantly. You know, some of us would be sitting off the corner drinking, like looking at the chicks walk by and talking about those guys are talking about the next angle and what would be good for this guy to do and on the next promo and the, everything. They were students of the game and I had to respect them for that. Um, but yeah, Triple H was very talented and I, I had a blast working with him. It was always very easy. He took he took a lot of bumps, yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was good. Smart minds for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking about it, you know, just other smart minds. The Undertaker was on the scene back then uh, and was probably a presence back in the locker room and just in general, you know, around well, WWF, man. Did you have any interactions with The Undertaker and how was it just being around him in general? Were you were you hanging out with the BSK? I think at some point, anybody that wasn't in the clique was an honorary member BSK. of the BSK. Yeah. Um, I remember at one point, Owen went and got a bunch of BSK like merchandise made, like, <laughs> like ski hats and yeah. shit. So I had a BSK hat at one time, but uh, I wasn't really in BSK, obviously. But um, my whole thing is I always tried to get along with everybody. Smart. And uh, my big thing is I was a fucking clown, man. I was a fucking ham in the locker room. I was putting on a show constantly. Any Bruce Pritchard or anybody else will tell you, I could, I, I would have the undivided attention of the entire locker room. And one of my biggest goals constantly back then was to try and get fucking Undertaker to laugh at something <laughs> I fucking said. Yeah. Because, because he was just deadpan. <laughs> and every once in a while, if I got him to go, <laughs> I was like, yes! <laughs> Victory! I got a fucking chuckle out of the Undertaker. Yeah, That's take, a win. Taker That's doesn't cool. change so, the face. Was, that is awesome. As we kind of wind down here, man, um, you know, post-WWF, you ended up working overseas in places like Germany, Austria, and Kenya. You know, uh, what was it like going to different countries and working, man? Was it much different than working here in the States? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot different. See, over you work for auto, big auto vans over in, in Austria and Germany, yeah. and you, you go and work at the same building for 30 or 40 or 50 nights straight. Wow. And you basically live out back in campers, wow. you know, or you could live, if you're going to pay for it, you could go stay in a local hotel or, or youth hostel or something. But, you know, for the most part, everybody just stayed in the back right uh, around the back of the building and they had it all fenced in and stuff. And we, it was like a little community of wrestlers and everybody else and, uh, in the show. And you lived there and you wrestled every single day in the same building for several. So you always had the great thing about that experience was you always had to change up your match. Yeah. And, you know, being in WWF, it was like we would wrestle in this town and go 250, 300 miles Just away. Next night, we could wrestle the same exact match. Yeah. And that's what we did. You couldn't do that over in Europe. You had to change it up. Mm. And there was guys over there like Robbie Brookside and uh, Fit Finley mm. and uh, PN News, who was Cannonball Grizzly. People that kid. don't fuck around. No. Man, these guys are workers, man. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you had to work. There wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't no... Uh, mugging for cameras or nothing like that you got in there and you fucking worked and uh 
that that was the big difference. Um, and we got to do some little offshoot shows. Like we went down, like you said, to Kenya for a week. That was pretty cool um, and interesting. But, um, you know, I was kind of on my way out of the business at that point, man. I was all beat up. I was probably drinking way too much and doing drugs and all that stupid shit. Mm-hmm. And by the time I came back home from from the European tour, I, I ended, don't think I ever really ended up working for another company after that, really. I worked a little bit in Florida, but then it was done. Mm-hmm. But um, it was quite an experience. It was fun to learn from guys like Fit Finley and, and those guys over in Germany. Uh, the experience was great, and it was a fun time. Yeah. Any, any advice you'd give to somebody that's up and coming or looking to get a career in the, in the wrestling situations? <laughs> The biggest piece of advice I could ever give anybody is go to as many different places as you can. And not just independence in the United States. I mean, go work in Japan, Mexico, go work in other places in Europe and stuff like that and learn different styles, learn how to work on the fly, learn how to just go out there and not have a match planned uh, because those are true. Those are a dying breed in this business. You know, it's everything is so scripted. Um, and, and I can I can sort of feel like there's going to be a shift back towards more of the kind of old school values in a lot of ways. And those are probably some of the biggest old school values is, you know, respect for the business, uh, being able to just kind of go out there and work with anybody in the world because you've learned every different style that there is. Um, the, that speaks volumes for someone. So if you can get that kind of experience before you try to go take a shot in like a WWE or whatever, it will definitely benefit you. Yeah. Awesome. Learning how to call it in the ring and uh, being able to, Hey, let's not plan this out. It it was different when you were coming up because they had the heel locker room and the face locker room. Right. Mm -hmm. And you didn't fucking mix and you met in the ring and when what happened in the ring is what happened in the ring. But as you uh, look back on your career, can you respect the fact that like you came up, as a shooting star and like you were at the top of the business at one point. And, uh, do you look back on your career and have some satisfaction in knowing that, Hey, it might not have, you know, some, some stars burn brighter and then they fuck, they burn out fast. Right. Do you have some respect looking back on your career, knowing that you had a good career and it lasted the way it did? Yeah. And I'll tell you this. And I told, I did, uh, Austin's podcast a couple years ago and mm-hmm. he asked me a similar question and I said you know I res- I feel very fortunate that I got to work up there with the best of the best because in those days the World Wrestling Federation that was the best of the best Fuck yeah. and if you were up there and if you were in the mix and you lasted any time at all that meant you were one of the best too mm-hmm. and in that respect I was very happy to have made it to that point. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a hell of an experience and, uh, I loved every, every, well, almost every minute of it, you know, there was ups and downs and it was kind of rough in those days, but, but yeah, man, that was the dream. I, I made it to what I considered the pinnacle of the wrestling business, which then of course was the WWF. So yeah, in that case, I definitely was happy. That I had made it there. Well, Hell yeah. Just looking back from us as fans of the business for 
as long as we have been. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, I can say you hold a special place in the business. And mm-hmm. obviously, looking back at that new generation, there wasn't a new generation without Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. No. So, Mm-mm. um, I I appreciate everything, all the hard work you put in, because you guys were working three hundred and fucking twenty days a year. Jesus Christ, a year. Yes, sir. And I appreciate all the miles that you put into this business to allow us to have entertainment as kids. You know, me and my dad, who's not no longer here with us anymore, R.I.P. to my father. But one of our greatest bonds was through wrestling, and he took me to wrestling nice. shows, and we watched wrestling on TV together. And uh, for me to have that experience as a kid and then you to be a part of that is very special to me. And it's very special for me to be here talking to you tonight. So thank you very much, dude. Definitely. I appreciate Definitely. you. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, I want to say I don't think any wrestler would be using a trash can as a weapon in a mash if it weren't for Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. The hardcore man. legend. The hardcore legend. They wouldn't even let me do it, hardly. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Bro, before we go... The hardcore legend right here himself. Before we go and say goodbye, what's your number one standout memory? Of working with the WWE, yeah. obviously. Wow. Standout memory. Hmm. Or do you have a favorite? Well, I mean... I will say, when I came back to, when I was in the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17, yeah. beautiful. See, because I was there in the new generation. We were working. The, the biggest houses were like 10,000, 15,000 uh-huh. people. Mm-hmm. Man, WrestleMania 17 in the fucking Astrodome. Ooh. Holy shit. 65 <laughs> plus thousand people. I walked out and it was like a football field length just to walk to the ring. And I went, wow. wow. Wow, this business has changed. (laughs) Beautiful. And the beautiful thing about that, I've heard this story from a lot of people, is that uh, the reason the Iron Sheik won that battle is because he couldn't take the bump over the top ropes. He said, (laughs) the Sheik don't do the job. The Sheik (laughs) don't go over the top rope. Jesus. His knees were so bad he couldn't. <laughs> I fucking love that memory watching back watching the gimmick battle royal. Uh one more time, one more thing before we leave. You worked in those early nineties, uh the ninety threes. Bobby the Brain Heenan, one of my favorite announcers of all time. Do you have any memories working with him? He's a fucking brilliant mind in the business and also obviously the greatest announcer. For me, the greatest announcer of all time. The weasel. I, I would say Bobby, Bobby the Brain, Heenan, and I missed each other. Oh, he, man. He left for WCW right as I came into WWF. Okay. However, he announced the, the gimmick. gimmick battle. Royal. Oh, yeah. That's why I and said I that. I had a chance to sit down and talk to him at WrestleMania 7. Him and Gene Okerlund, who Gene, Gene I got to talk to many other times uh-huh. more recently uh, before he passed also, but... I got to talk to both of those guys at WrestleMania. Those were two of the kindest, sweetest individuals I'd ever met in my life. They sat, they actually sit and talk to you. They weren't full of shit. And uh, they were really nice guys. So I always appreciated that. And Bobby the Brain Heenan was definitely one of my favorites, probably in my estimation, the greatest manager of all time, right yeah. there with Paul Ellen. Fuck yeah. 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 And yeah. Him, him and Gorilla Monsoon on commentary was just like, when I Can't listen, beat it. when I listen back to it, it's music to my, it, it brings that nostalgia vibe back. That I'm just like, this is what pro wrestling is. Yeah. Gorilla and Bobby, Bobby, 
classic. This ain't fair to flare. This ain't fair to flare. That <laughs> whole deck. Exactly. Good God. Good stuff. We love it. And we love you, Duke. Thank you so much for joining us. Milk crates and microphones. We appreciate your time. A Lodi, California native yeah. coming on the podcast. He's a Lodian. And we're in Lodi, so we love it. Thank you again for joining us and uh, all the best wishes to you and all the all the good luck to you and in, uh, in your future endeavors. And we'll always be fans. Thank you, man. Guys, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. We hey, we appreciate you. Thank you, Duke. Have a great rest of your night. Thank you, brother. Peace out, you man. Peace out. Peace. That was a killer oh, interview. Man. Hell of an interview. Hell yeah, Duke. Duke's the man, dude. Yeah, great guy, great guy. How good is that? That's perfect, perfect. A little warm in here. You warm too? Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting warm over well, here. We can, we can it's now. getting warm because, get man, warm, that was a man, hot that was interview a with Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Hey, he's a bad motherfucker. A bad about. motherfucker. He with story, a lot of good a stories lot of good to tell. Stories. tell yeah, a, a Lodian. A Lodian. Small world. Small world right there. He was born, but he was not raised. Yeah, yeah. That's just, you know, small world. Thank you once again, Duke the Dumpster Drossy, a.k.a. the Garbage Man, the G-Man, the motherfucking legend. Um, that was dope, man. Dude, and, that and shit was insane. For me? Yeah, and for, me too. If you don't know that's Duke why the I kept Dumpster looking Drossy, at, just I look him up. Check you, out a match. If or, you, or if you a, watch the interview, interview back, I keep looking back at Sig, and I didn't yeah, want yeah. to bring this up to him, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but me and Sig are just – Long-time wrestling fans, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, and yeah, we're like yeah, drooling. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like sit here and be like, oh, Matt, Matt was like just a barely a fan. He yeah. knows a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get in it. I'm trying to get because my boy off. Matt, he loves it, right? But mm. for me and Sig, like, oh, yeah. I was like asking a question. <laughs> Are you okay? No, no, you're in, you're out. So I was asking a question, uh, and I, I look at Sig, and I'm like, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> Good shit. You like that. <laughs> yeah. That's good shit. I looked over at one point and I was like, these fools are drooling. Oh, man. Me and Sig were in this. I was like, oh, what? oh man, working with Triple H and what? the Sig what? and the Click what? and drinking beers what? with Austin. What? The Road. What? Fucking Bret Hart. What? One beer. I thought you were going to hit him Two with the beer. You know I was trying to, I was trying to get beers. you into talking about you know who with the scandalace and the scandalace. Uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask him if Vince McMahon ever fucked Sonny. In front of you. <laughs> In front of you. But we didn't get there. If you guys didn't know, Sonny was what? The viral listen, woman. Listen, listen, listen. I was telling my wife this. Show me the pic. First the viral woman on the internet. I was telling my wife this last night. Sonny was the most downloaded girl on the internet in 1997. Mm-hmm. And that's when the internet was like... New. Fresh, super fresh, new. Fresh, yeah. Fresh internet. Yeah. So you go to, you go to like, uh, what was it? Like something, you go to like Yahoo or something. AOL. You know what I mean? AOL. AOL. You go to AOL, AOL. and you search Sunny. Sunny titties. She was the most you searched... type in Sunny titties. She's the most searched person, <laughs> not just WWE, the searched person on the internet. Look at this guy. Uh, she, <laughs> she looked cool. Not to get perp with She looked cool. But uh, uh, right there in the American, she looked cool. And on the right, she looked cool. No, me and my wife, my wife's like, she's not even that hot. And then I was like, well, there's this one period Bro, of time early 90s, from 97 90s. to 98 yeah. where she was killing she's it. No killing girls it. were really doing WWF like at that time. Yeah. So and she then, was the first diva. And then you got all these young, the first you know, energized men. Hey, 61. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. She looks cool right there in them twos. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> 
And we don't want to get too perverted here but on the podcast. Cute. She looks but cute. Don't hey, the first viral woman fucking beautiful Before lady. there was a viral. Hey, beautiful, beautiful lady. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's true. It's true. It's true. Good Man, shit. I just want to say right now, uh, thank you to Duke the Dumpster Drozzy for oh, spending yeah. an hour with us. Uh, yeah. Answering all our questions. And um, for me, personally, I'm not going to speak for the rest of you guys, but for over-fulfilling or overcoming, like, he sh- overshot his fucking promise for me. Like, oh, you did yeah. a great job. I oh, thought sure. that this was going to be something, and then it was just so much more than what it was. Yeah. And I thank Duke for that. And he's a, a great cool man. Dude, Came man. out, and we talked great shit, and um, he wasn't afraid no, to talk about shit. his... He didn't seem like he shied away from any conversation or any question. Good you God, gave. dude! Do you, I know, I know you guys don't feel it, but for us, for him talking about being in the locker room with the Click and with Shawn Michaels and working Triple H and these things are so monumental in the wrestling business. It might not be that big to you, but guess what? This is a billion dollar industry now. Vince McMahon has created a billion dollar industry that this motherfucker was a big part oh, of. In the beginning. A huge yeah. part of. In the beginning. Yeah. And when I say when I yeah. say you can't yeah. talk about the new generation without Duke Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, a hundred percent fucking true. Trash cans don't thousand percent yeah, true. Who right? uses a trash can, really? Who I never a see. A lot it. of people do. And when they do, you know you know what I mean? You gotta know All you gotta kick it back. Duke the Dumpster. I heard a story that Duke the Dumpster Drozzy kicked the one, two, three kid so hard back in the day, he shit his pants in the shit fucking ring. During, no, during the match. Shit his pants. Yeah, the one pants. two, huh? Yes, Duke Jeez the Dumpster was Christ. a bad motherfucker. What's crazy is that, you know, uh, all in all, you know, is, is him being here and everything like that, it doesn't... doesn't How like, good of a guy was that? A good guy. It doesn't resonate the fact that he's from Lodi. It just kind of blows you away to yeah. think that he was here, he was he born here, when he was four. he left. It's just crazy to think that Lodi itself... That's how we started the podcast. housing. Right? We read that you were born in Lodi. He's like, (laughs) and I was like, this podcast right now is being recorded in Lodi. He goes, wow. No way. He couldn't believe it. He He goes, no way. Yeah, he was like, hell yeah. He's like, well, I moved to Miami when I was four, so we're like, we don't care, dog. You're a Lodian. You're born in Lodi, you're a Lodian. Hey, dude, Duke the Dumpster, man. Shout out to the man. You know, it's pretty crazy. Fuck yeah. I fucking... I don't hey, know man. if it was the mushrooms for me or whatever, <laughs> but to tell you the truth, I honestly thought when I was looking at the man, I was seeing this man. I was honestly, I was pretty shroomed up. I don't know what it was. I looked over. I'm like, this man, he's getting but, it. <laughs> but I'm being honest when I tell you, uh, and and I told him this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a bad motherfucker. He's bad that me and my father, we've really bonded over wrestling. It was something that in my earliest days in my oh, earliest houses house house of the house in got my, the seats in my earliest days one thing i can remember bonding with my father about was pittsburgh steelers football and wwf wrestling yeah those yeah. are the two things like yeah, when yeah. i go to his house for sure we're either watching football or we're watching wrestling and what's your two good things to watch you don't lose you don't lose either him, right so for and then uh my very first wrestling event we ever went to was a 1993 royal rumble at the uh, arco arena in sacramento mm-hmm. that's my very first event i've ever how been badass to. was it? a royal and, rumble and event. isn't this man aren't you on tv or some shit yeah, like, you're on tv holding signs up this fucker's like but running behind this. vincent he's a, so, <laughs> he's a fucking shit so so my dad takes me 93 right I fall in love. I come home with the big boss man foam fucking 
fucking uh, nightstick. The big boss man foam nightstick. Did you bro. know you wanted it? Are you seen it? You're like, I, I gotta have knew. it. I WWF was my shit from yeah. there on out. From 93. Badass. And then hey, the from big boss there, man was a badass, when I would go to, oh, yeah. when I would oh, go yeah. to my, re- when I go to my video stores, people that don't know about video stores, there's video stores. So I'd go yeah. to my Star video, video. Store. right? J&O video was my shit. Mm-hmm. I'd go to J&O video. Where was J&O at your time? Yeah, where was J&O? Right next to Rick's. I, I was, I was, yeah. it's in Lakewood Mall. Uh, I was a star okay, video okay, guy right by Rico's. Too, too, I was a Rico's yeah, guy. I was a star video guy. Yes, we were, we lived right there. So we were there. Yeah. Well, when, uh, I've been behind when I black curtain. When I didn't return Survivor Series 93 to J&O video, I went over to Star's video. You son of a bitch. Give the video back. And they what? They had all the fucking Coliseum. But before that, Jano had all movies. the Coliseum, and they would what they would do was they knew me, so they would hold the old ones for me, right? And they would sell them to me for fifteen dollars, you know, ten dollars, ten dollars. Yeah, I paid ten dollars, and they'd give me like nineteen ninety two Royal Rumble. And you never had to return it, Bro, so you're in the zone. I got hooked, like so fucking hooked on this, and my dad mm-hmm. was feeding into it. Telling me, oh, before I got in this wheelchair, I had to fucking try out with Vince McMahon. I was going to be the next Shawn, Ma- Shawn Michaels. Now, now, I did My hear a story about this. No stories. way. Did your dad was punching it out. He God, was bro. feeding it to you. <laughs> was like, he an amateur wrestler back in the day? Bro, I would go to my dad's house, and he would have, you know, uh, PWI, like we were just talking yeah, about, PWI yeah, yeah. 500. He would have those magazines. And that was the first time I saw other wrestlers yeah. like Sting and Ric Flair. Because all I saw was WWF guys. So all I knew was Hogan yeah. and Warrior right. and and Big Boss Man. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. and Hacksaw, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. These are the guys I yeah, know. Yeah. All of a sudden, my dad had this magazine that had Sting mm-hmm. and Ric Flair in it. WCW I'm guys? Like, Ric Flair was bleeding. And I was like, what the fuck? Bleeding is like a pig. Yeah. There's other wrestling. There's wrestling. How did he get it? My would, dad was a fan, dude. He, he would just, just fucking go to the store, the store and, and he'd see. They would have those magazines, bro. My dad was a Rayleigh, Safeway. Yeah, they had the magazines. And I'd be like, Dad, who is this Sting? He's got colorful. He's colored up. He's got baseball bat. No, 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 no. That was before the leather jacket. He got colorful paint. Yeah, this is early. Pink and purple. He's like a surfer boy, bro. And he'd go woo, and he was doing all this crazy shit. And I was like. Who is this Sting guy, Dad? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I tried out for fucking Vince McMahon, WWF, wow. Sacramento, and he's selling it to you. Oh, buried, bro. What buried. Oh, good idea. Good idea. And from there on out, when I would go to my wow. dad's house, we'd watch Steelers football. We'd play Tecmo Bowl. Yep. Or we'd watch wrestling. That's tough. Three things we'd fucking do religiously. Do we know if he tried out or not? He's a dead guy. We don't know. We He's don't dead. know. Brett, you want to go ask the guy? He's I got that him. guy. I got He's the ashes guy. in my bedroom. He he took I got the ashes. We can ask the ashes. He took it to the grave. He took it to the grave. Do you want to know? He's I mean, all the way. Who would know? No one. Fuck yeah, dude. No one. He said he That's tried legendary. out, and he and then he hey. got in his accident a week later. We give the man the word. Hey, the man gets the word. He told, he told me I tried out for Vince McMahon, and then I got in an accident a week later, and I'm in the wheelchair. It only That's makes sense. It only makes sense because this man had the bug so the bad. The legend, you know, like it was the legend. In his blood. Yes. Who took me all the to these legend. wrestling matches? Definitely I didn't take myself. That, so. And he, why did he like it so much? It wasn't me that why was like. Why did he like it so much? You, exactly. you think I was like, hey, dad, take me to this. And you think no, your dad was like, this motherfucker I like drug it me straight to these matches. <laughs> Savage. Left my brother at home. Who Savage. was three years older. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't he take Garrett? Yeah. Because Garrett wasn't as Stay cool home. as you. Garrett wasn't as Brandon, cool. Brandon, you're coming with me, and we're going to go watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
trying to pass pass the torch. What do you want? I could tell you memories, bro. Going to uh to we went to Stockton to watch a house show at UOP and we went to the UOP fucking stadium and we had a, the arena and we had to go into the locker room and we rode up the elevator with Yokozuna. I, I heard a story. I, I've heard the story. In the elevator Swear with to you? God. I've heard Bro, this. He was Yokozuna, Kamala, oh, and wow. Kamala's fucking handler. What was his name? Oh, gosh. Remember Kamala, yeah. Kamala's handler? Yes. God, I can't the fool that wore the hat? Yes. Kamala's handler, they were in there, and they <laughs> didn't break character. How big were kimchi. they? Kimchi. Kimchi. How big were they? Kimchi, in Kamala, <laughs> and Yoko. How big were they in real life, though? Yokozuna was 95 pounds, 500, 400 no, pounds. No, Yokozuna was 500 pounds. And was he, did he, was he breathing heavy? Bro, we or rode an elevator with him. 600 plus back in there. We rode an yeah, elevator bro. with him. I would have been like, man. I think the elevator's going to break. We better get the well, I mean, No, he didn't. He rode it with us, and he didn't break character. And my Dude, dad's like, look, that's look, hard. Yoko's in. I'm like, I, I was like, what's up, what's up? He's like, huya, banzai. He said, what up? Swear to God, bro. You know what's crazy Fuji about that? Fuji was in there, Kamenchi oh. and fucking and Kamala. Kimchi. Kimchi. And Kamala. You know who Kamala the fucking, uh, Kamala the man from the Af- African jungle? Yeah. He didn't even know how to pin people. They'd be on their stomach and he tried to pin them on their stomach. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even know how to wrestle. Oh yeah, yeah. He was just Kamala the He was the Ugandan giant. Kamala. No, he was an animal, bro. Oh, okay. He's from the jungle. Yeah, he's just a fucking. So this is. He's from the beast. jungle, he says. <laughs> this, yes. is, this is my experience into wrestling is as a young kid, I was being drugged to these matches and I fucking loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I there's nothing, listen to me, yeah. there's nothing that any person around this table right now, mm-hmm. if you were eight years old and you went to the Royal Rumble in 1993 and you walked into Arco Arena, and uh-huh. the first thing I always do, even to this day, I went to a, a WWE Raw probably six years ago before my daughter was born. Mm-hmm. The first thing you do is you walk through the fucking walkway and you go see the setup of the ring. Yeah. And you smell it and you see <laughs> the fucking ring. I swear to you God, smell I can mat. smell that dirty mat. I can smell it. 1993, eight years old, walking in. Wow. And my dad's paying for the ticket, and I go, he pays for it right away. I leave him, and I just walk straight through the corridor. Boom. Just to see the, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you the walk. Setup, the whole there's setup. The, there's yeah. the court right here. You walk through there. You walk through the corridor. You walk through there, and you just look. So you, you go, walk the same way oh that all the wrestlers would walk out. My. It was the same deal, right? You walked out the same God. way they no, came no, out. No, 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 no. You're up top. Captain You're up top. You're, you walk into arena? When was the last time you walked into arena? I can't remember. I can't. You walk in. You walk through the fucking courtyard where there's food and there's drinks over here, and then there's a little tunnel. And you walk through there, and there's fucking seats all around. And you walk to the edge of the rail, and you look down the rail, and yeah. all you see is a ring and a fucking interest it way. So and then you see a fucking setup that says WWF or something so over there. Tight, so and tight. you're just like, and you can smell it. You can feel it. You're yeah. just like, oh. You knew it was going to happen. Yeah. My, you know what I hear right now when I feel that? Give me. Razor Ramon's fucking music. He's hitting him hard swear right to now. Fucking God, no, right now. No, 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 bro, bro, right here. This is what I hear. <laughs> we're on all. Give it to me. Right now. This is a great thing. Yeah, they destroyed it. Eight years old. Eight years old. This is what I see. He wrestled. You know he wrestled that night. You know he wrestled that night. He wrestled Bret Hart for the WWF Championship they lose? in the main event. Yes, he lost. Hey, 
this motherfucker's the ghost. I feel this. I smell it. I walked in and this is what I feel. <laughs> the bad guy. This motherfucker is on it. He's on Hey, you can rap tonight. You better get a song going to this. Jesus. Hard as a motherfucker. Who made these tracks? Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson, bro. Fucking <laughs> legend. He made so legend. many fucking songs. How did unquote. Jim Johnson just know? Jim Johnson. Oh, they were you, all hitters. Do usually. Do you think he looked at him and was like, oh, no. "I'm a feeling a pum 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 pum." Yeah. yeah. He's here. He's here. Who's here? And he would pick it. Bring him in. Bring him in. Guest appearance. Guest appearance tonight. Play Razor Ramon for him. Yeah, when I was sitting there though, for the t- towards the end, I was getting the, the shroomy vibes, and I was like, "Are we talking to fucking Uncle Phil right now?" I saw Uncle Phil. Didn't you see Uncle Phil at the end with the glasses? Jesus, oh. he's hitting him again. Oh, I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see that a little bit? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see that. I can see that. Okay, a little no, bit, a little I bit, a lightweight. Hey, two big bad motherfuckers is uh, if that's what you're saying. Yes, yes, yeah, I mean, yes. Yes. yes, bad motherfuckers. Yes, sir. He was a bad motherfucker. It's I crazy to say. think uh, that he'd been there, done that, and just lived that life. And like, yeah, what is yeah. he doing now? We didn't even ask. You know what I mean? We don't. We don't want to know. Yeah. But we just want to know that he's doing good. You know? Yeah. No, he is doing good. And I've read about you know what he's been involved with certain things. Uh, I know. If, I if know. If he's still involved, we're not allowed to talk about. No, no, that no. no. Uh, other positive. Thank, thanks. But, uh, hey, man, did you hear James Franco is back? He's being casted as Fidel Castro. In what? Did you, have you heard that? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he went from uh, uh, Mr. Rapey. Mr. Blackball, Mr. Rapist. Mr. Rapey. To, I'm, to back, now, I'm back. But hold on. He's playing a Cuban, apparently. How does he play a Cuban? Fidel Castro. Can you show me a pic? Uh, I don't think he's actually filming it. Where is he? Where is he? I don't think he's filming he's it not just here? yet, but it was a lie. It was a lie. He's supposed to be back. I swear to God, I can smell that arena. Bam, bam. I believe you. I can smell it. I believe. Hey yo, hey yo, Chico, Chico. You don't want none of the bad guy. You want some of the bad guy. The bad guy. <laughs> give well, me it. Give me it now. Bad guys last forever. <laughs> With his fucking Miami Vice shirt on and, and he throws the fucking toothpick. That fool always had a toothpick. A man who carried a toothpick everywhere and he went for the rest of his life. And that for sure for the sold. That sold because people were carrying toothpicks. I remember toothpicks everywhere. Me too. I w- there was a point in life where I would carry a toothpick and like to flick it at a motherfucker just, just to, to fuck talk with them shit up. Because Scott Hall raised a remote. Scott, I don't fuck around, man. No, he, he did yeah. not fuck around at all. He did not fuck around at all. So Luckily yeah. that this is a podcast. You think you could take a bump to the table? I love this is or a you, podcast. Would you slam to the table or what? Uh, could because I take a bump to the table? You think you could slam oh, to from who? From That's Brandon. Right, Brandon who's dropping the elbow? Brandon or? slammed to the table. Would it work it out? Or a power, a power bomb? Fine. Yeah, would the table break? Can I tell you something about this podcast? It's yes. gimmicked already. It's ready to go just in case. It's ever came Just in case. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready to give. It's ready to give. At some point, someone probably will go through. No, to the table. They're moving the mic Phones. Oh, good, the I just the say, good thing that this is a podcast. Because why? You ready to throw somebody through the table? You son of a bitch. That this is audio. 
Yes. Because there was no audio to the video, but it's okay. Should we get these cameras set? We didn't even get these cameras going yet. We didn't even get any of these cameras going. These are just fucking free balling cameras up here. None of them went anywhere. But hey, was that the whole time? Is here for the podcast wow. only. Right. Yeah, no, these cameras are set the up. Video. We just set them up, but none of them went. You know what I mean? Did your camera go? Did he invite you in? He didn't. But let me tell you me. something. It's amazing. Right now. It's amazing. Let me tell you something right now. Yeah. This podcast right now, mm. Milk Crates and Microphones is in its inaugural seventh season. Seventh. Let me tell you something that Four hasn't gone years. seven seasons. Mm. Uh, Duke the Dumpster Rosie didn't go seven seasons. Oh, uh, some people's relationships don't go seven seasons. Let me tell you something right now. I'm telling you. What you got? Fresh Prince of Pelair. Not even seven uh, seasons. Um, Six seasons. Hey, isn't it crazy to think Pelair. that the Miller Boyette production was not about Six Steve seasons. Urkel. It was about Hold Harriet. On. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. It was a I mean? show about Harriet. Hold on. Hey, it didn't work no out. They had to bring the nerd in because seasons. they were going to lose it after the first season. Check it out. Harriet was what the show was aimed around about her life and all these kids. Hold and on. Her dad, Family her, Matters yes. lasted nine seasons, motherfucker. But the show Get itself wasn't shit. about Urkel until the second season. Well, guess what? We're in the yeah, we went season. over so that shut before. Up. Fuck Urkel and fuck. I like Carl. Carl. I like Carl. Carl's no, winner. No, 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 no. Good God, not on this part. I thought we just played fuck the police earlier. <laughs> fuck Carl Winslow, motherfucker. Fuck Carl not Winslow. on this podcast. We We're not saying fuck Carl. We don't give a son of a. Today's NWA day. R.A.P. Carl Winslow. What Carl Wingrow? Yeah, I love me some Carl. I love me some Carl. Uh, Matt, we need to check the audio every time we do a podcast. Uh, why? Are we not? Are we not? Is the audio track? So is that what you're saying right now? The audio is not good. <laughs> you liar! Don't you tell me. I already checked YouTube. We were up looking good. So the Mega Millions you. was b- the biggest it has ever been in my lifetime, at least over a billion dollars. Did that cause you guys to go out and buy a ticket at all? It was. Uh, Brett did, but it I didn't. Never. You didn't. You, did, you didn't buy a ticket? I did not. I bought. I think ten tickets. Mega Millions. Really? Yeah, I just spent oh, a, a little twenty that's bucks the one, or whatever. That's the one. The audio is great. You did you not listen. buy a Mega Millions great. ticket. Not Check even one. Duke? With Duke? Uh, I can rewind it. The audio right now Hold is on. Okay. You'll play Watch. when it's over a trillion? Oh, because it's easier to win? Or? I swear to God on my mother. Because think about it. I mean, when it gets high up like that, you're talking 10 times, 20 times about it. No, you're fine. It works. Everything's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's Uncle Phil. Dude, we killed hey, it. Dude, we killed it. That was perfect. It was perfect. I, I do know what you're saying. No. What was that? <laughs> what was it? Why? What is this? Jesus Christ. God. Sorry, go through the table. Go through the table. Jesus. Hit him with the stutter. This son of a bitch. This son of a bitch. He's killing him! He's killing him! Jeez, off the ropes! Off the ropes! Off the ropes! Hit him again with the chair! What the hell was that about? No, the audio went, went, went golden. The audio went golden. I swear to God, the audio was perfect. It was a perfect audio. Gee, he hurt his he hurt his back. The man's back is hurt. The man's back is hurt. Look at, slam. look at the slams. The slams look for real. This is a hip-hop podcast, I promise. The God Almighty. Christ. Tonight you would never know. I swear to God. I promise. Tonight you would never know that it was a hip-hop podcast. No crates and microphones. Oh, that my was God. Dear Lord. The God Almighty, that was a barn burner. 
No more. Uh, no more. But once again, thank you to uh, Duke the Dumpster and yes. taking us through that journey from 93 to 96 <laughs> and beyond. Um, great memories for me personally. I know for Sig, Woo. as we were younger, uh, I think we kind of got together around that 96 era. So it was a very special time in wrestling and yeah. in our lives together. You were what? Uh, nine? Ten, yeah, nine, ten, ten nine, years ten. old. Yeah, for sure. And, crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. and it was a, it was just a crazy, crazy time, bro. For me, I know personally you when I look back on it. You know what it's like it, to look at a nine, ten year. I have a nine. I have a ten year old right now in my grasp. I have a ten year old, and she's very, very. Like, but her times are going crazy, like different. They're crazier for different reasons, but right? They're just little. For us, it was so di- so. For us, moldable. it was this time when we were uh, 10, 11 years old. It was this time where. Shit was going from being super conservative to like being edgy, uh-huh. and everything. Parental yeah. yeah. advisory was coming out. You know yeah, what I mean? And, true. and it was like, suck it and fuck this. Yeah, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton got his dick sucked. Uh, Clinton was getting his dick sucked. But he didn't inhale. He didn't inhale though. He didn't inhale. Smoke weed. I did not inhale. She inhaled the cum. No, no, no. no. He didn't inhale did the weed. Not suck my there was graffiti. <laughs> There's graffiti, and Eminem was rapping, and there was yeah, like it was all this weird colorful. shit going on. Right, right. I don't know. Why they thought Eminem was such a big thing when the Beastie Boys were around, Vanilla Ice, all it was of a sudden. Different. Eminem Hold on. Was just Beastie like Boys weren't saying the things Slim Shady was saying. Well, they yeah. didn't have My this alter is? ego no. type of character. That Fuck your teacher in her eyelids. Yeah, it was some do everything yeah, that I, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was sure. the first time thing on the radio yeah. that I'd heard. Yeah. When I first heard that song, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? It's crazy. The album no. Infinite is. I didn't so hear Infinite for a radio song, though. You're lying if you said you heard Infinite. We heard Slim Shady for plenty of time. Infinite. We were Slim Shady first, and we we're like, "What is this guy?" I called you. I called you plenty of times when I was working at my job in Loomis. I go, "I'm bumping Infinite today." Bro, be like, I gotta get as it. we got in it, in it, in it. I didn't so listen to good. Infinite probably till 2002. Yeah, easily. I was probably a junior when I heard Infinite. To I was really like, take your time and listen to it took a second. I think you had to find it. I Number think, one, you had to find it. I think for us, it was a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. to get. It's not. It's not even still not even easy to get. Because if no, you look him you know up on Spotify, I bought it off eBay. R.I.P. To the man Chris Fox, he had it. I'm on, not even, on I'm, a CD. Hey, it was it was yeah. a burnt CD, a and we burnt it. I bootlegged it, and I was like, I got infinite for music. Correct. You yeah. pay for Spotify. I pay for Spotify. Whatever you use. Uh-huh. 2001. You still can't look up Eminem and find. I don't know if he's dead. Infinite. Eminem. It's not there. Does Eminem want Infinite out there? I don't think he does. I don't think he does. But the question is why. That's like saying. Francis not wanting the mixtapes out there necessarily. But is just... that a mixtape or is that his first one he said in, in, in the dog? Hold on, the production is trash. Let me Who tell you something about. I... Let me tell you something about <laughs> Infinite. You do you that? think? Do you think Eminem likes that? Let production? me tell you something about Infinite. Uh, Doctor Dre produced his first. Album. I know, okay. but between us, yeah. But the we reason like why Doctor Dre, the reason why Doctor Dre produced his first album, he's was a doctor. He's a doctor. He went yes. to medical right? school. I mean, right. what, twelve you, years. You. He would not have even touched years? thirteen he's years. A doctor. A doctor. He would not have touched Eminem. He's here. Razor Ramon is in the building. Cue the music. Cue the music. Yes. Let me get the music going. Hold on. Give him the Razor Ramon intro right now. This man is here. My question is, how do you even get it? Can you buy it? You can't even really buy it. What? What? 
Can you go to the, the record store and buy Infinite? infinite? No, you have to you download can. it. You can't no. even buy it. No. It's impossible to get. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you can buy it. You, you can buy bootleg fun. copies because some people have the original, I guess, back in the day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. These burned cool. it so many times. Oh, it sounds like garbage oh, by now. Yeah. I, I own like a burned copy. You almost look out. But, uh, yeah, for sure. Get in here. This get one's in getting in the middle. Go very, very bootleg with it. Pull that shit in the middle. Join the fiesta. All I got to say is the Pull infinite, the, the only infinite that I own, right. I have it saved and it's to YouTube. Okay. I don't have any other because I've looked for it because I, you know, we all, we, we all pay for Spotify and all that bullshit. He's not on there. You can't get it. Infinite so how is not. Fu- it's no. on YouTube, bro. It is on. Yeah, that's always. I just said that's oh, the only sorry, way sorry, I own sorry. it is through got the it, YouTube. It, I don't. I don't have it any other way. You can't mm. just go pick it and Hold pick on. the song you Let want. Me check in. No. You have to listen to every fucking track. Let me check in, my boy. What about? What about Ooh. Atmosphere's uh, first first out? You can't buy those motherfuckers anywhere either. You know what I'm saying? Come on. But we all know where to get the We all know where to get that at, though. I know. That's not his first. I know, but you know where to find it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if Slug comes on the podcast, the first thing I'm going to tell him is, how do you feel to be on fucking the apples that fall far from the tree? Well, we brought in Slug's half-brother straight from the Midwest. Season 7, episode 1. Regaton, regaton. <laughs> Bring him in. Give him the mic. It is your boy, his boy, their boy. Hi, Mito. Hi, it's not me. It's number 5. Hi, me. Is it Giri? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, dig. Hey, you dig? You're only a two-time fantasy football champion, and that will not last this year. Only back-to-back, mm. but No, yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> only back-to-back. He won't get that shit back. He won't get that shit back. He won't get that only shit back. Only back-to-back and three out of five. Uh, we're going to work ourselves into something that we love to call this week. Nope. No, you <laughs> this How gone is this man? <laughs> this man is gone. We've been <laughs> drinking all day. We've been golfing, but yeah. Jesus Christ, you, you can't make the mistake two and a half hours in. Two and a half hours in, this man's going back to 20 minutes. <laughs> Song picks of the fucking week. The motherfucking week. Thank you. Thank you. Song picks of the week. Who's got a song pick this week? I've got a song pick. Thank you. It's the Duke the Dumpster theme song. No, I'm just joking. Bro, hold on. First of Although, all, Jaimito, my boy right here, yeah, is an yeah. old school wrestling fan. Yes, sir. He should be the His one who started up. Tell me, tell me. His favorite okay, WrestleMania okay. is WrestleMania 9 at Caesar Coliseum in fucking <laughs> Caesar's Palace. How do I know? I already know. You already know. Caesar, right. WrestleMania tell 9 at Caesar's Palace. Give us something. Give us so something. Let him we know. just talked right to. Listen to this. Get in that microphone. Yokozuna, but Hulk Hogan came out and won. But listen to who we just talked to. So we just talked to for the last hour of our podcast with Duke the Dumpster Drozzy. The original Duke trash Duke man. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy, bro. I saw him back in the day when yeah. they used to do it at Spanos. Yes. Yes. And see? I saw him and yes. Like bro, see, people remember Duke, bro. Hey, check this out. Duke's the mainstay. Duke. He's we the just mainstay. talked to him. He lives inside your mind forever. We just talked to him on the. <laughs> Yeah, he was here. He was here. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. We got a big motherfucker. Fiesta. What's up? What's up? No, we're done. Hit the theme music. There you go. 
We're in this. Okay. So, anyways, we watched. We just talked to Duke the Dumpster Drozzy yes. for the last hour. Yeah. And this was a WWF superstar uh-huh. that rode the road with Brett the Hitman Hart. Yes, sir. He rode. He told us to talk about how he met Shawn Michaels, yes. how he worked with Triple H, who is now the head of creative of WWF, which is a billion dollar company. Oh, just no, shit. just nothing here. <laughs> Just nothing here. And Duke the Dumpster Drozzy was born in Lodi, California. Man. Blow your fucking Small mind. Small world, dude. Small world. And then he he moved to Miami. He became a teacher. Shout out to him. Um, fucking staff A. Staff infection got the best of his left foot. Oh, <laughs> fucking A. Bro. So Lodi, California. <laughs> the wrestling capital of the world. <laughs> fucking A, dude. <laughs> Who's got a song pick? Who's got a song? Yeah, yeah, you know, the mics are dead, you son of a bitch. Is this mic working? It's dead. Damn. Hit yeah. him, hit him, hit him. Mic check. Mic check one, three. Okay. Ooh, nice, nice. Where are you going? All right. He's going to go drop off the kids at the pool. We'll see you later. Keep it real with it. Hit that man's theme song. Your brother's truck's running downtown? Jesus Christ. He does. He's sober, man. I like that. Okay, so our guest right now just walked in. His name is Razor. Nope. Jaime Zagiri. Jaime Zagiri. Oh, boy. We love him. We love him. He's going to play something we love. We talked to. Somebody that is really good friends with Andre Nicotina. Yeah. His name is Equipto. Yes, sir. We had a great conversation with Equipto. This is Andre Nicotina with Smoked Open Rap, and you can hear that conversation on Milk Crates and Microphone. I smoke chewy like a motherfucking nut. You got a grand bag, get the zags and roll around. Till the nigga like me can't fake it when I'm high. Get the visine for the tight red eyes. Jump in the colors with the niggas from the set. The blunt went out, but we ain't done yet. Get another one blaze like it's barbecue beef. It ain't nothing like a blunt full of funk in your teeth. Yeah, I'm a skinny 6'5 motherfucker. If you didn't know me, you would think I was a clucker. But I'm not a clucker, I'm a dodger and a ducker. Come a little closer and I'ma show you I'm a puncher. And if I can't beat you, I get my gun and I'ma fuck you. Turn you over like a bitch full of my dick and I'ma fuck you. Yeah, and like yeah, a fiend yeah. for the weed, I'll tweak Tweet. 415's in your trunk, that's beef yeah, Proper ass Amzap, cold alpine Put the coke on the dash, roll a dollar, do a line Pump RBL, maybe one, two, three Or some funky shit by the IMP Now I'm high like a motherfucking jet Fuck a 9 to 5, I'm a jerk on the set Slang these things and fuck these hoes One line at a time goes up a nigga's nose The shit cleans my sinuses just like a shower In the war tie, blend it in with the powder now I'm chewy high with a hard ass dick Who dare go my painter, could it be a trick, bitch? Oh, it's Janine, she licks my dick clean Come right away and bring 
like a dime, make a weed like a nigga that's sick. Caught up in the groove, get a pussy buzzer, nothing like a vet sticking move. Out of that house, a quickie low, I think she got mad, cause I killed it and I didn't bring the weed. I did bring the weed, but I left it in my cutie. Did you really think I would've smoked some dank with you, dummy? Yeah. <laughs> no, Drake dog won't die. See my nigga cool, that nigga, let's get high. He said, I got the drink, and you got the dank. He said, my nigga Drake dog, Frisco with the place. For, For me to get high, and you to get drunk, we smoke dope. We, we raps in these hoes, we, we fuck. I don't give a fuck. That, that song's sick as fuck. Uh, Andre Nicotina with Smoked Open Rap from our yeah. boy Jaime is a motherfucking gear. Who's next? What you got for me, Siggy Sig? No, I go next. I go next. Oh, hit, him, hit him, hit him, hit him. You ready for a fucking blaster? Oh, Give me something that's hard as a got. motherfucker. Blaster master. You got something hard? What you got for us? Ready for this? Yeah, we're ready. We been ready, dog. What you got? You fucking must be digging deep. Yeah, what yeah, you look got, look dog? He's digging deep. He really you on deck. You up to oh. bat. Hey, better, better swing. Ready, y'all? Yes. I, got a, I got a commercial I'm first. I'm ready for you. First of all, strike one. I'm going to come with three of the greatest MCs that have ever been known to the West Coast. Mm. One is Abstract Rude, one is Mike and Nine, Ooh. and one is your boy AC Alone. They are called Haku De Ta, and there they came goes. out with this song called Mike Aaron and Eddie. My name is Micah and I'm rocking the mic. Kind of psycho like a meteorite. I'm a microphone. No more my Sharona. No B O L O G and ain't no b b b balona. I'm a Michael, Michael, no Michael, but feeble, fiber, but fico. I'm psycho, survival for rifles. Depends if I use my rifle, stifle the style while I'm letting off rounds. People hurrying, hurling, hurtling, hitting the ground. M I C R O P H O N E, moving mini. M I K E O K say okay. He capable of reducing the level. Devil's rebel with horrible trouble kibbles and bits of my hips dribbles and drips from your lips and clips you slip you in the dark skip important parts forget the way the rhyme starts how smart now one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight i'm taking out anyone trying to break up on the microphone because none of they fake a b c d e f g s h j k l m n o p people the power for taking a coward you're trying to scour the one and only mic the nine i like to rhyme anytime any day when i recite i shine i smoke the kind finally i'm getting money the name you're fine on the marquee there's a Big line, rapping around the corner with one California haiku to talk on the sign. Mike Aaron and Eddie, Mike Mike Aaron and Eddie, Mike Mike Aaron and Aaron and Eddie, Mike 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 Aaron and Eddie. a man with the mic in his hand, I'd silence the lamb, getting all the guidance. He can't, he don't gotta lie to his hands. I don't have to pilot the plane who's ever styling the same. You better file in the Chang ain't no weak link in the armor Maintain free speech in our honor Day to day go to rule a good karma Hold a fool accountable and we was over through the coup to mind conquer Penalize, regarize, till they see the light, realize Think with a seeing eye, freely cause money ain't the key to life It's love and our existence is a symphony of epiphanies Above and beyond our experiences are mysteries The blood of our ancestors all That was Mike Aaron and, and motherfucking Eddie. Eddie Yes And guess what? What? Guess what? I hit it, sir You love that mic? 
You love that mic? Bro. You love that mic? We went to the goddamn show. We bought the album in person there. We bought that, it from them in person. That mic, that mic, that mic, that mic coming. Is coming. Might be coming to no, microphones. No, there's no might be. He is coming. No crates of microphones there's might be no, getting Micah 9. No, Let's no might be. That. No. The no bomb, crates and microphones is getting Micah. The bomb's been dropped. Tell next, him next week here on Milk Crates and Microphones Micah Live. Nine, baby. Micah Nine, the motherfucking master, will be here. Don't fuck My around with them. Don't fuck around with them. On you, site, you don't want to fight. Ready to bring the yes. shit to heat, shine. Heat, it's heat. Micah fucking Nine. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh huh. So right. hey, hey. So we'll just pull be that here up. or Woo. be square. I'm telling you like that. Be <laughs> here or be square. It's gonna Who's be a good one. That was haiku to talk. I got a song pick. Give me a. Give Who's me. Next? I'll be okay. Aesop Rock featuring Slug. I'll be okay. Oh, okay. You'll be okay. I'll be okay. You know damn you right. Be okay. I'll be okay. This is hey. also my Always favorite Aesop Rock album. The best. The best album that he has. Let's be honest here. One of the best. So I found this album in Santa Barbara. He knows. Barbara. He fucking knows. Super hungover one day. I went to this record shop. Everyone was like, oh, we're not doing nothing today. And I was like, I need to go. I'm just going to go downtown and try to shake off this hangover, right? Super hungover in Santa Barbara. So I go to this downtown record shop, and I'm just shipping around. And I find this album, Aesop Rock Float. Like, <coughs> Ooh, excuse me. I've yes. already heard of Classic. Daylight. I've already heard Classic. Daylight. I've already heard Daylight. And I'm like. What is float? Right. And yeah. I seen this song oh, man. featuring Slug, I'll Be Okay. Yeah. And I was like, I should buy this album. Yes. Might be the only track that has a feature. You did the right thing if album. you bought it. You did the right thing that so day. So I bought this album. This was 2000 and They just reissued five? this shit on Rhyme Sayers. 2004? Fucking, this is a classic album right here. I'm not going to lie. You did the right thing if you bought it at that time. Yeah. You did the right yeah. thing. I'm not so this right here is Aesop Rock featuring Slug. It's called I Will I just feel like there's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of hunger in this track. Path the circles round your life to capture all inside your sight. Magic tricks for skeptics say the ISIS then stay off the lake. Waiting for a cock to punch, wish I could breathe and stop a lunch. If I stop to count the leaves on only one of these here trees. Not sure that I know what's pure. Wanna kill the insecure. Some respect, some resent, some remain from start to end. Wear my heart on my short sleeves, I'm stuck out here, I lost my keys. From the roof, I watch the street and pray for those that's caught beneath. As long as I know right from wrong, I'll be okay, I'll sing my songs. As long as I know right from wrong, I'll be okay, I'll sing my songs. I don't know what I have left to give other than truth and breath. The angel, when she shuts her eyes, likely will lead to my demise. Between my time is short, about to start my last resort. Wake me up when it's time to make babies talk and planet earthquake. Tie the laces, touch the ground, let emotions rupture now. As long as I know right from wrong, I'll be okay. I'll sing my song. As long as I know right from wrong. I'll be okay. I'll sing my songs. As long as I know right from wrong. I'll be okay. I'll sing my songs. As long as I know right from wrong. I'll be okay. Cause I'm the one that tried to bear the elements it lost Well it's warm by the filament Huddled up close in the company of all my relatives Stories, laughs, black coffee and honesty God sentiment Cocooned inside the unified efforts to all get settled in Away from where the rain pours Well count your delegates We'd have to bump to practice migration Other than elegant Of course I realized the filtering procedure's delicate But let devils inside to collide with your overzealousness right. And force
that was Aesop Rock. Jesus, that's so hard, man. Crazy hard. That was when I was first learning what Aesop Rock was. You know what I mean? Fucking master in his own right. Yes, I had heard. I had heard the classic you heard the legends. Rock you had heard songs. the legends, yeah. And then you start hearing this shit, and you're like, uh, "Who is this guy?" Right? Malibu Ken still takes me a fucking second this? to listen to. I'm no, like, no, this I'm is way before Malibu. Yeah. I know, but just in this general, daylight. You heard yes. daylight, and daylight. You're like, but to this Who day, though, Malibu Rock? Ken is to hard to wrap day, your heart he, around. This man is still just putting yes. out bangers and yes. tongue twisting rhymes. But out of all his albums, Malibu Ken takes me so hard to like. Can I just say one plus one is what? Uh, like three, you know <laughs> damn right what it's it is. No, how no, 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 though? No, no, no. I don't know how, but no. you know it. It's th- it's what is it? Three plus three is thirteen. No, it's no, one it's plus two one, plus two, two, two plus two plus five, no, and then no, five no. plus five plus three is thirteen or some some weird shit. <laughs> no, but uh, Oscar Goldman just got it tatted on him. Yes. Oh yeah, one three plus one plus equals one is thirteen. Three. Yes, that's oh, what it is. It's one plus one equals thirteen according to Shout out to Oscar Goldman. We love you, Oscar. Oski, come back. We love you. Please do. Please come back. Um, but hey. when when I started listening to Flow, that was when I first started figuring out. Like I said, I had heard Daylight, and I heard heard some of the Aesop's rock songs. You gotta that were take a popular. math class. You gotta take a math when class. I listening with to that, I was like, Who the fuck? Who is this, is guy? this robot? <laughs> yes, who is this robot that so, is talking <laughs> to me on a microphone? He was created by you know who Elon Musk no, and Elon he's Musk an alien. said he's, he's an AI, AI and he's gonna start ra- he's an AI rapping he's an artificial intelligently Aesop rapping was created by Elon, by Elon Musk, Musk and he's out there and he's killing it and I'm gonna give it up okay. Elon Musk as he follows Who's got him. Who's a song pick? Man, give what me, do you got, uh, Brett? Yeah, well, let, let, let the guests let the no, guests go. Excuse me. They're one of the well, fucking Razor Ramones started it. Let the man next to him go. Let Brett Hart. Let Brett the Hitman Hart go ahead and get on it. No, he already got Jaime one. Jaime started yeah, it. He got yeah, it. He already got one. Sig, what do you got? What do you got, Sig? Give me, give me Body Pillow by Atmosphere. Ooh, very good. Oh. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Yeah, you know what? I'm always afraid to go to those. Those like on the tip of the tongues. I'm always afraid to go to those. Hey, and man. I commend you for that. Thank you. What uh, did I tell you? Uh, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. Is they're we do not song our picks, favorites. They're everybody loves them. The songs that are like the, the mainstream. The ones that we feel like. Our like, let me give you one. Living Legends, uh, Never Silly falling, Putty. Never Falling Down. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, never we're like, falling we'll, down, we'll never pick that because we feel like that's such a so silly putty. mainstream. Silly so putty. mainstream, yes. We want to do it because we don't want to use it. I wouldn't. It'd but be like, fuck pillow. you, Lucy. Fuck you, Lucy would never get played on this podcast. Mm. Because why? Because it's so mainstream to us. Dude, yeah. it's so filled with profanity. Like, I can't seem to, you know, want but to listen to right someone though, put sick. down a female like that. You lying ass nigga. But <laughs> here we come. This is Atmosphere with Body. Fuck yeah. Hey, soon to be on the podcast, Mr. Slug himself. Sean Daly. And there was this one night when I took the time to examine a napkin in a Chicago hotel room. I wasn't alone, it was a night after a show The space was full, energy was consumed There was a girl, emphasis on the L She was noticing the detail as well And the two of us found something with each other Previously undiscovered Hell is full of lovers and the daylight is bright Always makes me squint But it feels like magic when it touches my face Suffocate myself, overwhelm myself And let the sun rays abandon me float through space And she still wonders why I'm so insecure because I sleep with a body pillow Intentions are never nothing short of pure But there's a price to pay When you try to live a little And as attractive as that napkin ever could have been My how it unfolded Hold it to the wind Try now to be a rock But she's caught under the skin Ex-lover and a better
best friend just like the rest of them Then there was this one night I stopped to watch someone bite the tip of a cigarette To hold it in between her lips Never met nobody like her Please raise yourself, danger, danger, this might hurt The playground feels a lot different when the sun's out She wasn't messing around, she came in with her guns out Screaming about the ocean, anybody wanna go with me? Never knew punk rock could be so pretty Now catch your breath and then catch the ball by the phone so you can catch the call Writing catchy one-liners on the bathroom stall Here I go, wouldn't you know, still learning to crawl And she still wonders why I'm so insecure She giggles because I sleep with a body pillow Intentions are never nothing short of pure But there's a price to pay when you try to live a little I've always done the way you love the way Your tattoos intimidate men I guess I'm one of them Standing right next to you from way over here Ex-lover and a best friend then there was this one night, I noticed a tree that stood by itself about an hour up north And I can picture her holding on to the limb, wearing a summer dress and a grin Swinging back and forth, talking about the breeze, how easy it is to leave all the worries in the back seat. Teach me please, I need the abilities to live, silly me, I tried to measure it by what I could give But she didn't need anything, just a pair of ears, some strong fingers, and someone to share the tears Feeling it inadequate, now let's make believe that I can handle it She still wonders why I'm so insecure She giggles because I sleep with a body pillow Intentions are never nothing short of pure We all had a motherfucking body pillow, for sure That was atmosphere with body pillow Ow, bro, that was fucking burning me on the leg with a fucking joint The funny thing is, when you when you hear it again, you're like Am I missing something? So good. Do yeah. I need to go back? Is so there some good. deep shit that I forgot? Yeah, yeah. Is it there? God. Is it there? And I, I no, did you know? That was me. That was. Is me. it there that, that I me. forgot that it's been buried for so long? Should no. I go in and dust off the dust? Should I go bring that back out? You I know, hadn't heard that, that one in a while. Fucking good, dude. Okay. Who the fuck? Who requested that? That was me. You did a good job, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> you did a good job, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for no, that. I'm not joking. Hey, you did a good job. I will say though, I ate a lot of these things on the left over here earlier, but you did a good job. I will say my this friend. though. I will say this though. Ant deserves his flowers, bro. <laughs> oh, those beats sure. on every oh, single those track. Those are sad songs. That Sean's spit, uh, spitting to. Ant is a fucking fire producer, a, bro. Bro, when I hear those line. songs, it hurts you deep inside for no woman who ever hurts you it's deep inside. Mastermind. There is no woman who's ever hurt you like that, but those music, those <laughs> lyrics will make you feel like some bitch and fuck sure. you over. It's a great fucking jam, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. Brute. Hit us. We <laughs> were just playing that earlier. So, uh, I just want to say this. Uh, my boy, Matt, is going to be oh, the yeah. best man in one of our good friends, Alec Manley's wedding. Yes, sir. He's going to be the best man, and Alec was asking him for songs to play at his wedding, which is a big deal. If anyone's ever been to a wedding, yeah, yeah. the dance yeah. floor yeah. is where the heart of the wedding is fucking one, right? So the music played at the dance floor I couldn't floor suggest hip-hop, though, because hip-hop this cannot guy get played. You know what I suggested? Bag that ass. Bag that ass. Fuck yeah, dude. You know why? Because it gets the bitches on the floor throwing that ass around. What did I say? What did I say? I said. They look good when you back that ass up. West Coasting is what he said I should have played. No, Coasting. 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 But the truth is, it's so hard to say. I picked a little hip hop jam. This is a hip hop song. I picked a hip hop jam you could bounce to. It's so hard. Not just a little. So hard to find a hip hop song to bounce to. Yeah, yeah. Hey, pull that curtain back. Get us a little fresh air in this bitch. Not you, brother. We're talking Sig side. Sig side. <laughs> gotcha. Oh Jesus! Thank All you. Right, so thank you for uh, for us. 
for our boy uh, Flanders. We're gonna all Flan play Googles. West Coast and hold on. R.I.P. Zumbi. R.I.P. Zumbi. I should have sent you those fucking clips the other day that I had. They came up as a memory. Yeah. Me and you in San, or in San Francisco. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Pacifica. Pacifica. With him fucking just rocking the stage. Yeah, and it's yeah. just me and you in the front row mm-hmm. and him just. They just That's announced, they just announced so a high road message. day coming up in September. They're going to be doing a Zionite tribute fucking set. It's so sad. We were there. Deuce, it was one of his the last clips. shows. It was one of his last shows when we were there. Do the right, clips, so. the grouch. Could you imagine that man died with the milk crates and microphone sticker on his fucking briefcase? Come out. For everybody from right, Northern California. Threw it on there. For everybody crazy. who's watching milk people from Flanders. Yes, for sir. us. For everybody in the zone. Yep. This is Zumbi. Zumbi. RMP. RMP. No joke, though. I th- he's br- his personal briefcase. I threw a sticker on it. What the bitch say to me, Sig? Anywhere that I 
I'll tell you what's going on right now. You want to know what's going on? You're mourning the loss of the one Zuma. <sighs> Dude, I cannot believe. I it's hard to think that he's not here no more. Yeah. Yeah, for real. It feels like that. Underneath the motherfucking, uh, you got to hold your fucking breath to go under the bridge. I always tell people that. Hold your breath. We're going in the bridge. Yeah, I, no tunnel. Yeah, the tunnel. Yeah, my yeah. grandpa used to do that when we were little. Be tunnel. like, hey, we're I still going do it. I, st I still do every it every time. I tell my kids, every hold your breath. We're gonna hit the tunnel, and they'd be yeah. like, we can barely do it. If you it. pass out, hold you it. fucking uh, pass out. That's you're gonna the, live it. That's the risk you take. That's the risk you when take. When you hold your breath going through, through the tunnel. tunnel, I don't know. Listening to uh, one moment. One moment. Jesus. Hey, sure. He's alive. He told you one moment. Don't you talk about that quick. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I don't want you to tell me about Siri. one moment, Siri. two moment, or three. Siri. All right. I was uh, explaining Zainai's yeah. uh, death was strangely uh, parallel. Are with... we allowed to talk about that before getting shut down before that? Yeah, no, we just can't talk about the reasoning. I'm just going to talk <laughs> about a lot of reasoning. I, and I've talked about this before. This isn't the first time I've talked about this on the podcast. When my uh, father died, it was right before... Uh, idea died and idea is famously my favorite fucking rapper and somebody that i followed like continuously to the grave so i really yeah. never i've talked about this i like really never got to like really take in idea dying because i was dealing with my father dying at the same time so it was like not until years later that i was listening to some of his ideas music he I was doesn't like, even seem dead still oh though because there's a lot of shit no 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 it wasn't until years later shit, that i was like this fool's not coming back and making a new album. I'm not going to hear Idea again. And it wasn't until that. It was like eight was years later that that set in for me because I was dealing with something totally different at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. same thing with Zion I. So Zion I's parallel, his death is parallel with my brother's death. And so I, I'm dealing with my brother's shit. And like all of a sudden Zion I dies and I, or Zumbi dies. And I'm like, fuck. It's really not like set in for me until I start listening to his music now a year, almost a full year Dude, later. Dude, you got flow. It's flow itself exactly i listen amazing. to that music and i go we're Bro. never gonna get another zumbi record or a zainai record or a, mm. a zainai and uh a grouch you also zainai. have to remember you know what I'm saying we're that was a combo or a great duo right you there. you also have to remember that your That's mind is now setting it your brain was such an open script at that point yeah like nobody's written crazy shit on it it's an open script yeah. and when that came across you were probably mm. somewhere you shouldn't have been smoking weed, not fucking being with who you should have been, doing the right things you should have been, and that music came across, and you're like, bro, now I'm doing something right for a quick second. You know no, what? Yeah, I can play this right. over and over again, and we could Probably be doing so. the right thing at the same time when we're doing the wrong what was, thing. What was always crazy about the whole connection, like how I was connecting the the four situations. Give it to me. Was the when I was younger, idea was like this escape from my father that like this full idea was this white rapper that ex felt like I felt and like understood how I felt. We've seen him a bunch. Which is weird is weird. We've seen him a bunch, but the scary part is at but the end. But it was like, like <sighs> as much as I connected with my dad, it was like this fool knew me better, right? And then Zion I was someone me and my brother both listened to, and he was like the favorite rapper. So you, when I got my truck, when I get my truck, my brother would be like, connect. hey, Put in fucking Zionai, yeah. Fucking selling uh, the uh, disconnect to connect, dude. For it real, was weird. I know what you mean. You're, you're total disconnect slang. this way, and the connect. Deep water slang yeah. would be the slang. one that I'd put in my truck. Yeah, we'd drive around. We listen to that shit. He liked to listen. True to and Living was a super hey. dope album. Deep well. water slang right. with flow and all that was a whole bro, sorry, different fucking, fucking vibe. Bro. All of it, that bro. whole thing just it just feels like it pills into yeah, like yeah. a feeling of a feeling. So of a the feeling two of a connections, feeling. I've just not been able to like. Now that I've like a year later, 
being able to step away and look at it and seeing that Zumbi's gone and we're not going to get another Zionai album is just now setting in for me. Life so hurts. It's, Life hurts, and it's, it's isn't it's, it weird that how yeah. like these Life hurdles? Hurts. You're like, oh, I got over this hurdle. I'm I'm past that. There I'm, is I'm no. Through, I'm through this hurdle. Yes, but guess but what? There is no. No, no, no. no. There's another one. There's another one. Here's yeah. another one. Let's just because jump. let's get the fuck through this when one. You're because through that guess hurdle, what? there's a hurdle in between the hurdle. There's a small hurdle that relates the back. Somebody and that the goes, front. you yeah. didn't jump that hurdle properly. Go no. back and jump. There's it again. something that you missed. And guess what you say. No problem. I can do it better. I'll do it back. Don't you do that to me right now. Don't you Watch do that me to do me, this motherfucker. I can see you. Don't you do that. Don't you do that to us. No, no, no. Watch this. Don't you do that to Watch us. Watch this motherfucker. You think I didn't do it good the How first time? How sad was it that we've seen Watch him fall apart in front time. of our eyes, though? Yeah. We went and seen Idea fall apart in front of our fucking eyes. We watched him at the bottom of the hill scream on the fucking floor of the stadium, of the fucking set, but because what? nobody what? understood what he was Check doing. Check it out, though. You think that that is the bottom of his barrel? You're telling me it's... He was at the we bottom there. of the hill. We were no. literally, we were literally, literally at the bottom of the hill, so was he. right next to the Listen, independent no. truck no, no, company. No, no. We were right there. No, no, no. You guys no, could no. look at... You're crazy. He what? was. That man was fucked Listen, up. He was gonzo. He took the bottle of Jack and just started chugging, chugging it. it. And chugging it during the show. He was on the floor screaming. Come on, get the man I was like, this man's dealing with pain. You guys think that? You can tell this man's in pain. Hurtful. You think that, but but he continued he, to at kill his it. Soberest, he killed it. Was a slave to his his surroundings, to his corporate fucking label. At the end of his fucking life, he was doing the music he loved, doing whatever he wanted. Fuck rhyme sayers. I'm gonna make fucking Jesus. I'm gonna make carbon carousel, and I'm gonna do whatever I fucking want. And oh, that, he was, was, that was on happy. Rhyme sayers. You think he did, that he I, was so he did upset? One of the album, uh, one of the albums. Face. He did it. Was, face no, the no, music. No. Face the well, music. Face candy. Yeah. Face candy. Face candy. Was that? No, it? that's not carbon music. carousel though. But that's he totally. did a carbon carousel album no, on, on How rhyme do you? Sayers, okay, bro. let me ask you this. <laughs> How does it feel to have a podcast that Kathy hates? That's fine. Because Sage came on and set the record straight that she didn't take that fucking picture. And we Kathy, all knew. We all knew. Kathy doesn't hate me because she Sage. loves idea. I Let's love be honest, though. Idea. Let's be honest, though. If I she was to see idea. that fucking moment and she's like, I took that pic. Yeah. Even though we all knew deep down inside that Sages always take that pic. She, yeah. she's, she's like, fuck hey. you guys. Deep hey. down. She I just want to say it. right now on camera. Give it. Kathy Averill, we all love respect. We love you, Mikey. We yes, love yes, Idea. Yes. He is the greatest influence of my entire fucking life. But guess what? You didn't take that More picture. Than any Sage sports. did. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't you play me? That's all you want. We love you, Zan. But that Sage picture. took the pick. Hey, you guys know what we never really came up with? An outro beat. Oh, the outro for beat the now new, for the new for the yeah. new season. You know what the outro sure, beat sure, is, sure, right? Sure, sure. What? The outro beat is fucking uh, God Loves Ugly. Give it to me. No. God no. Loves Ugly. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? No, I think Body Pillow would be dope as a fucking... Give me a Body Pillow with the, with instrumental. Let's see how it a sounds. Body Pillow? Sounds real sad, but at the same time, compelling. Uh, Don't you play me. Sad and compelling at the same time. Swollen members feel injected. Ooh. That used to be a ringtone. That was a good ringtone. Is that feel injected? Swollen members Feel injected. Um, could be, a, yeah, I don't know, man. Or you could even do Mike Aaron and Eddie. Just instrumental would oh. be cool, too. Here you go. I mean, so it's a we little just, hype. It's a little hype. So we just 
finished the very first episode of season seven and we did it in style with duke the dumpster drozy thank you very much for duke joining us and spilling his life long journey through the wrestling business as fans we love to fucking hear it and you're gonna hear a lot more interviews from us on milk crates and microphones maybe some hip-hop maybe some wrestling maybe some comedian we don't even fucking know what we're getting into yet so you don't know what we're gonna get into until we get into it thank you to my boy yamas for coming out and doing his thing god didn't create this shit but we're gonna continue to create this shit every other if not every other friday and if you ain't here with us guess what you're missing out and guess what if you're not sleeping the naysayers say it's over but guess what it ain't over till you're fucking sleeping so guess what we ain't even gonna stop sleep and without sleep. you talking shit we got nothing so guess hey. what thank you and we appreciate the fuck out of you go Milk check us out on bitch. your instagram on your facebook go check us out on your youtube go check us out on all of your podcast apps you can find milk crates and microphones at spotify on itunes on all of those motherfuckers you know who the fuck we are thank you brute for coming out yes thank you hamito, hamito. For coming out. thank you for coming out we ain't done we're gonna do another podcast you guys don't even know we're gonna do another one we're done we ain't done and also thank you to the man to the left triple sig the man that brings you all the love that you can get he's the one that brings the guys to the script he's, he's the, the one the that devil. wants to live he's the devil without the script it Woo! is triple motherfucking and you know what we got some big shit coming your way next week Let's because go. mike and i sick, is sick, sick. coming I fucking love you. Thank you so much. That motherfucker cut a promo like nobody's mama. He cut a promo like no drama. There's nobody that I would want sitting next to me more than I fucking love you. Thank you so fucking much. Love you too, bro. Your name is the play to fucking draw on entendres if you would never. It went from it went from uh, sig to no triple sig to six six sig, as in as three sixes six six sig. We're in the motherfucking building. Fuck Thank you yeah, so brother. much, everyone, for joining us. No people, everyone. Duke the yes. du- Duke the Dumpster, yes. thank you for joining us. Hell yeah. Brute, Jaime, Yamis, Sig. I love everyone in this fucking room, and we Boo. ain't done yet. Do not kill yourself, America, because we, we love you. you. Peace the peace, fuck peace, out. Peace, peace, MCMP, peace, you bitch. Uh, BK thumbs down or thumbs up? Thumbs uh, up. Thumbs up tonight for Brian Kale, baby. Let's roll. Say goodnight, John. Good night, John. <laughs>